This is South Florida's only real sports station. WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. A Beasley Broadcast Group station. And WQAM.com. Then he'll be uh, taking off the uh, PUP list and he'll practice today. And we'll see what happens. You know, Jed Weaver will line up with the first group. But the thing that's happened because of Alonzo being out, uh, it, it's really given... Uh, Randy McMichael an opportunity in these first five practices, and and the, and now we're talking about him. We're saying, you know what? We got to make sure that this guy gets enough work with the good guys. Peace and quiet. And I don't need to listen to Barney Fag, Barney Frank ringing in my ear because I made a few bucks off a book I worked on. Hey there, coconut heads. It's me, Janet Boobs of Granite Reno. And I am hot, man. I am P.O.'d. Just plain old hacked off. What in the name of Sam Hill happened is what I want to know. First they had trouble with dangling chads. Now they got these touchscreen jobbies that don't work worth a crap. I think they got them from JetBlue. There's some of them old ones they used to play electronic poker on. I mean, heavens to Betsy, this is voting. It's serious. I know that after the recount, I will be the victor. Actually, let me clarify. I will still be Janet, but I'll also be victor. Capiche? I got half a mind to get my red Toyota 4x4 pickup and head down to Havana. I'll load up some locals and put this thing over the tap. The biggest problems were in Dade and Broward counties, two of my strongest areas. I mean, I personally slept with over 4,000 men and women in those aforementioned areas, which should have secured me certain victory. But instead, I got to put a hold ski on my new victory party. Ah, hammers and nails, I'm freaking. Not to mention in the middle of this whole mess of crap, one of my beans went bad on me. I'll bet you dollars to donuts that little bastard Ilian Gonzalez had something to do with this. Either that or that Dan Marino. I never bought into that whole isotoner glove dealy, Bab. You ain't heard the last from Janet Boobs at Granite Reno, Florida. You go, boy. It's 903 at 560 WQAM. Hey, happy uh, Thursday, too. The sun is shining. Another great day. Oh. It is beautiful, baby. You know what they say on great days? What? That's what they say. Oh, I got some interesting stuff. Rumor yesterday on the Mad Dog Show about somebody's wife in the stands at the Dolphin game at PP Park on Sunday wearing a Jets cap. I don't want to mention any names. And embarrassing. And, and the other rumor that I'm hearing is that somebody, in spite of the fact, putting out a big front. See, even you would know that the Dolphin colors are aqua and orange. Even you know that. Of course. Because you've seen all the promotional crap. I was a Dolphins fan in 1972. Were you really? Sure. Bandwagon jumper. Bandwagon jumper. But at any rate... Somebody, uh, where the rumor is somebody has their varicose veins painted green and white. Which last time I checked, those are the Jets colors. Yes. Even George knows that. What? Green and white. See, I guess most people assume that if you're like sitting down, you know, behind a press box somewhere, or like behind a, anything, that people can't see your veins. But when you get out there on a golf course and you forget about that, and people realize that you got your varicose veins painted green and white, and then your wife is wearing a Jets cap in the stands. It doesn't paint a pity, a, a, a pity, a, <laughs> a pity picture. Doi, 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 doi. Right, exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Here's a fax or a uh, email that George got. Now this is on your uh, email. Correct. Okay. We don't want you to start uh, passing around other people's emails again. 
Because I, I don't have the energy to go through that uh, two months of that crap again with I'll Greg. never do anything like that again. It says, I was just, uh, this is uh, written to George, I was just surfing the website and stumbled on the picture of Howard David. The piece he's wearing does indeed look like roadkill. Now I see what the fuss is all about. <laughs> oh. Well, we got a lot of heavy-duty stuff today, but let's get started right on a light note. Somebody faxes us this. It says, one day a teacher read the story Chicken Little to her class. She came to the part of the story where Chicken Little tried to warn the farmer. She read, and so Chicken Little went up to the farmer and said... The teacher paused and then asked the class, and what do you think the farmer said? And one little girl raised her hand and said, I think he said, Holy Schmidt, a talking chicken. That's older than you are, you know. Mm -hmm. That's cute. Cute. Kind of cute. Our poll yesterday, speaking of cute, we had 846 votes on Smallville. That's pretty good. What's your take on the TV show Smallville? 619 people said, take a hike. They don't watch it. 73.1%. But still, you know, that leaves the other uh, almost 30%. Lana flicks my bick. 72 desperately horny guys said that. That's 8.5%. I love it. And the show, too. 52 people said that. It's okay. 43. And I listen, with this crowd, when they say it's okay, that means uh, it must be okay. You know what I mean? It's okay. Don't tell me it's okay. You like well, that Well, it's not show. what I voted for. Oh. Anyway, 43 said... Uh, I hated it blows 38, which is a pretty small uh, negative number for the sour pie that we got out there. And Tom Alling is God, 22, which means we just don't have any fags or women left listening anymore. Damn it. Here's today's poll question. See, I was going to save this for like a little bit later, but I better do it now because it's so goddamn complicated. Look at this, two, four, six, there's eight choices on here. Now, did you fax that to Eric? Sure did. Because we don't want to interrupt his brunch. It is the Thursday brunch day. We don't want to interrupt that. Up there in Orlando, I bet you they got some great places in Orlando, like for the old farts. Tourist trappy kind of places. Waffle mm -hmm. House, that kind of stuff. No, I'm not talking about Waffle House. I'm talking like about, um, what's the place where the old, the uh, cafeteria place? Where Mor the old farts eat. Morrison's? Morrison's is one of them, and then there's another one. There used to be that one called Duff's, where you'd have to gum everything. If you had a chance, here's the poll question today. If you had a chance to recast your 2,000 vote for president today, what would you do? Now, here's your eight choices, okay? I'd vote the same for Gore. I'd vote the same for Bush. I'd vote the same for Nader. And by the way, we will track those people down, the ones who say they'd vote, they would vote for Nader. I voted for Bush, but now I'd vote for Gore. I voted for Gore, but now I'd vote for Bush. Are you following this? Right. I voted for Nader, but now I vote for Gore. I voted for Nader, but now I vote for Bush. Or I didn't vote in 2000. I, I can't see any other choices. No, huh? that's it. I already faxed this to Eric, so you don't have to worry about my reading it real slow. But I will read it again for the audience, because some of them are a little bit slow, uh -huh. if you catch my drift, especially this early in the morning. If you had a chance to recast your 2000 vote for president today, what would you do? I'd vote the same for Gore. I'd vote the same for Bush. I'd vote the same for Nader. I voted, I voted for Bush, but now I'd vote for Gore. I voted for Gore, but now I'd vote for Bush. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Gore. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Bush. Or I didn't vote in 2000. Actually, when you start reading them like over and over again real fast, it's almost amusing, you know? Mm -hmm. Or pathetic is the case, maybe. Speaking of pathetic... A referee in a football game but blows the whistle when the personal foul has been committed. There's Jim Lieberman. How can a Chinook? There's only he can do. Boy, oh boy! You know, you know something. If if it weren't so tragic, and if there weren't so many lives at stake, and the future of the freaking human race in this whole planet, if it weren't for those things, 
all of this business would be uh, very amusing. Right, high comedy. Because this is a cast of really uh, tragic characters. It's a cast of sad, sad, hallucinatory uh, idiots. Speaking of idiots, Justin's loose lips sink pure image. S-Y-N-C, of course. And Justin, don't close the door on your way out. Bye, bye, bye! Justin Timberlake has confirmed what many have long suspected about his relationship with Britney Spears. Pop music's biggest couple got it on, reports the New York Daily News. Oh. Oh, so early in the morning. You know something? In fact, Eric may drop one of those breakfast burritos, the super-sized ones. He may drop it right on his shoe. Although I don't imagine he's wearing any shoes. Do you think so? Probably not, aren't are you? No. Well, why the hell should he wear shoes when nobody's around, nobody's right. looking? And, of course, I'm home. sure that his Japanese wife uh, is big not on wearing shoes. Aren't the Japanese a little bit into that, like leaving your shoes right. at the door? Correct. Tuesday morning when the Instinct Singers, in fact, some Japanese restaurants, I think, uh, have that thing where you can, like, leave yeah, your shoes. Yeah, I think that's a bad idea in a public situation. It all depends on how bad your feet smell. That's the point. Yeah, but when you're eating some of that Japanese, some of that sushi, who the hell would know the difference? Oh, trust me. It might actually improve the no, aroma. No. I can't. I can't imagine eating sushi. sushi you know, I, just, I don't like fish to begin with. I don't, I just can't imagine eating something that's kind of like looking back at me. You Good know? sushi smells like nothing. It's kind of like a Rick uh, Rick Riley meal. You know, like back at you. It's just uh, that eye is staring back at. Oh, Tuesday morning when Instinct singer stopped by the New York radio station Hot 97, the station's morning DJ Troy Terrain, A.K.A. Star. Promised he'd play Timberlake's new single, Like I Love You, 30 times a week if he'd tell just one secret, which was, Star asked Tinkerbell if he ever shared a certain bedroom intimacy with ex-girlfriend Spears. After much hemming and hawing and blah, like that, Timberlake broke down. I don't know what that means, broke down, like and cried broke down, or just broke down and finally spit it out. I did it, Timberlake said. I'm dirty. I'm so much damn trouble, man. I'm going to get calls from my mother. No word yet on Britney's reaction. Meanwhile, Timberlake will write, produce, and serve as spokesman for the public service radio and TV ads on behalf of recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving, RAD. We know MAD, now we got RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. His new duties arrive in the aftermath of the September 9 death caused by an allegedly drunken truck driver. Remember that? Yes. Of one of his fans, Anna White, 21, while she was waiting for a glimpse of the singer outside a Southern California radio station. Hey, Anna. Bye, bye, bye. Bad move, sweetheart. Bad move. We feel real bad about it, but a bad move on your part. Speaking of bad moves, poor O.J. can't catch a break. You know what? All the time. You see he's in the news again? Mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson contests speeding ticket in Manatee Boating Zone. <laughs> poor O.J. O.J. Simpson pleaded innocent to a charge that he sped through a Manatee Zone in a powerboat, his attorney said yesterday. Simpson was driving a 30-foot powerboat near Miami's downtown area when he was stopped by Officer Jason Lundy of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission on July 4th. Lundy issued the 55-year-old former football star a ticket for creating a wake in a manatee zone, the equivalent of a speeding ticket, Simpson lawyer Yale Galanter said. Galanter said Simpson's ex-girlfriend, Christy Prody, and another couple were on board the boat. Boy, I'd sure like to know who that was, huh? You don't think it could have been Screwan and... Roy! Lundy said he only saw Simpson and Prody on the boat. A Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission spokesman didn't immediately return a phone call. Simpson chose to plead innocent rather than pay the $65 fine, Galanter said. The plea, however, was filed five days after Simpson was issued an affidavit of noncompliance by Judge Martin Shapiro for failing to appear for a September 12th arraignment. Galanter said Simpson was not required to appear in court on that date. He said the ticket was issued based on a subjective call by the officer. This is a bone of contention between Marine and Patrol. Uh, between patrol what is it? Marine Patrol and Boaters, Galanter said. My own boat creates a wake when it's at idle speed. 
Collider scoffed at the media's constant scrutiny of Simpson since he was acquitted of murder charges in the 94 slings of his wife, Nicole Simpson-Brown, and her friend, Ronald Goldman. The guy just can't get a break, Collider said. Isn't that what I just said? That's what you just said. He can't catch a break. A civil jury, well, we know about that. He continues to maintain his innocence, and nobody with a brain believes him. You've done it, O.J., okay, you murdering prick. And, of course, the reason they keep hassling him is because we want him out. We want him out of town. When in doubt, move his black ass out, okay? And why did Time Magazine make him so black, you know? You think there was something racial involved in that? Uh-huh. Could be. Twelve minutes after 9 at 560 WQAM, there's never been a better time, a smarter time, to buy you a new home or refinance that existing home. How about this amazingly low rate of only 3.95%? That's correct. Financial Group can offer you an unprecedented 3.95% by picking up the phone and calling Financial Group at their toll-free number, 1-800-940-LEND. That's 1-800-940-5363. The money you're going to save is incredible, unbelievable. Think about it. You can get a $100,000 loan for only 450 bucks a month or a $200,000 loan for only 950 bucks a month. The process is simple, and you'll save yourself thousands of dollars each year. Just pick up the phone and call our good friends at the Financial Group, our pallies at 1-800-940-LEND. There's never been a better, never been a smarter time to get yourself a low interest rate. So call Financial Group, and you'll be on your way to saving a lot of cash. Financial Group is an equal housing lender. Credit restrictions do apply, and rates are subject to change, so call them now, toll-free, 1-800-940-LEND. That's 1-800-940-5363. Live and local, this is Sports Radio 560, QAQAM. Side with Corbett. Whoa, it's a little tough to just double Wayne now. Yeah. <laughs> so he gives us a threat underneath, and then we have Kevin Swain outside and Lavernius Coles. That, that's four pretty good receivers. Four pretty good wide receivers, and uh, Santana just gives us a weapon that we that you, you just you just can't find. You know, he's so quick and has incredible hands. We need to get him on the field. That's uh, something we just have to do. Well, you always sound enthusiastic, uh, and uh, it sounds like you're real excited about this team. Now, I've really enjoyed it, Hank. This is uh, I, and I, I like Herman Edwards a lot. I, I like our owner. I have a great deal of respect for Terry Bradway, our general manager, and Mike Tannenbaum. It's as, it's as most fun as I've had in a long, long time. I really enjoy it. It's a good group of guys, and um, it's really been fun for me. And I, I put together a pretty nice group. You know, John Hall had a nice year last year, and I was able to add Matt Turk and get Santana back. I'm looking forward to it. Turk can boom him, can he? Yeah, I'm, yeah he really is. And of course, you know, anytime you have Curtis Martin on your side. Yeah. You've got a hell of a football player. so And a fresh defense. <laughs> and a fresh defense. That's, I, that's exactly right. So I think we have a chance to, to, have, a, to have a good football team. Uh, I guess the one element that you hadn't been around a lot in a long time was that kind of a running game. Correct. Which well, is what they're trying to do here now. But. Curtis Martin, is, he's really something. My brother was at practice today, and he was remarking to me at how big he was. You don't realize, I mean, it's not a big, but how strong and powerful and how hard he works. And uh, he's really a special, special individual. Mm -hmm. He's really a special guy to have on your side. And uh, never says a word. He just comes out and practices a 1,000 miles an hour, every play, every day. With Morton looking so good, will they give Martin a little bit of a break this well, year? Well, the, that, the guy that's, uh, that, that uh, yeah, Chad, Chad will get a little, a, a little bit of a, a break in there. And uh, has done a pretty good job for us, but he'll Jordan give too. he'll give him a, a little bit. But you know, I don't know that much uh, if he will. And um, the other guy that does a great job for us as a backup back is Lamont Jordan. Yeah, uh, he is. He's looked really good. So it's not easy for Chad to just get a lot of playing time on offense. 
But because uh, Lamont's had, and Lamont maybe has uh, as good a hands as anybody on our football team. Now I use him on kickoff returns back with Chad, and uh, so that's a pretty good pair that, that we have there. And then he go, of course, alternates in and you know helps relieve Curtis a little bit, and then Chad comes in in some special situations. Well, we'll see you down here the third week of the season. Okay, Hank. We'll get you early this year. Yeah, yeah, early. <laughs> yeah, away we go. Yeah, well, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. They're, they're wondering when they're ever going to beat the Jets around. Uh, I was on both sides of it, Hank. I don't have it figured out. I just hope it stays the way it is right now. <laughs> okay. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for coming. Right, I look right. forward to seeing you. Okay, thank you. Take care of yourself. Right, bye. Mike West. Yo, yo, let's rate mo. Radio Big Show. Right. That's how we pass the time away in the gay old jail of Oz. Good morning. Owning a home lies at the heart of the American dream. It serves as the foundation of many Americans' financial security. And the good news is this. Less than half of all African Americans and Hispanic Americans are homeowners. We must prevent minorities from owning a piece of the American dream. So I have asked the Congress to join me in creating a second obstacle to minority home ownership, permanent complexity and difficulty of the purchasing process. But government action isn't enough. That is why I have challenged the real estate industry leaders to join with the government in a major nationwide effort to increase abusive and unscrupulous lenders with an overriding and urgent mission to prevent minorities from owning a piece of the American dream. And we are doing just that. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Pally. 918 at 560 WQM, com, which is a great website. So the guy who's the head honcho, which I have no idea what his name was, I forgot. He was on with Preston Buchanan yesterday. It isn't Tom Payne? No. Although somebody said, I think the president said he was kind of a pain. Tom Payne was an atheist, by the way. Well, no, yes. he was a deist. I'm a deist. sorry, a deist. Which is, see, back in those days, they would use that term. But what it meant was they were atheists. They didn't believe in your God. Oh, jeez, don't say that. They didn't. They thought it was all a pile of crap, and they had a good point. Anyway, so on TomPayne.com, you can see the picture of this full-page ad that they put in the New York Times. Well, it's not a full page, of this big ad that they put in the New York Times and they're putting in several other publications around the country. And it's a picture, you know, the I Want You uh, Uncle Sam poster? Right. And it's uh, patterned after that, only it's obviously Osama Yamama pointing, and he says, I want you to invade Iraq. And instead of Uncle Sam says, it says Uncle, and they put an A uh, oh! in front of the Sam and an A afterward, a little Canadian touch. Uncle Osama says, I want you to invade Iraq. Go ahead, send me a new generation of recruits. Your bombs will fuel their hatred of America and their desire of, for revenge. Americans won't be safe anywhere. Please attack Iraq. Distract yourself from fighting al-Qaeda. Divide the international community. Go ahead, destabilize the region. Maybe Pakistan will fall. We want its nuclear weapons. Give Saddam a reason to strike first. He might draw Israel into a fight. Perfect. So please invade Iraq, make my day. How do you like that? Yeah, he's right. Uh, he's absolutely right. He's got his thumb right on. This is exactly what Saddam wanted. And, of course, uh, you're confusing reality with uh, fantasy. Don't you understand? I mean, this is uh, political and oil considerations here, and that comes out of everything else. And don't you, like, uh, start making little waves against El Presidente because he'll uh, call you on the carpet like he did the U.S. Senate there on Monday who don't give a crap about American security and took like a couple of days before Tom Daschle finally got to be indignant and outraged. And Senator Bobby Byrd, who just celebrated his 145th birthday, was like, oh, oh outrageous. He was doing that uh, Bubba thing, you know, outrageous. I don't think he was doing the Bubba thing. <laughs> that would be. Speaking of TomPayne.com, which I want to link on our website to that, by the way. I just mentioned that in passing, Eric. Eric's uh, busy, okay? He's stocking up. He's like you know, squirrel getting ready for the wintertime, you know, stocking up on nuts. Eric is stocking up on breakfasts right now. 
So he, he'll get around to it. Analysis, Iraq Pandora's box in the making, writes Claude Salhani of UPI. This is also on TomPayne.com. they got great articles on there. i got many lengthy things that I'm going to read today, and if anybody don't like it, too bad. And taking any calls today? No. No, I noticed a couple lines flashing. You know, we took a couple of calls yesterday. We had a good time with that, and I'll take them when I feel like it. And today I have got no time for your calls, believe me. Have we got time for them? No. No. I mean, we got time for like a little, a little of that, but not time for calls. Anyway, Claude Salhani writes on UPI, a member of Arab, a number of Arab diplomats and Middle East observers are increasingly worried that a U.S. assault on Iraq meant to oust Saddam Hussein could degenerate into an expanded and generalized Middle East conflict. Presenting what several called a worst-case scenario, Arab diplomats and Middle East specialists speaking not for attribution voiced concern that a possible American war in Iraq could open a Pandora's box that would swiftly drag the entire region to open warfare. That would be an outcome, they say, that would be unpredictable and disastrous. The way many see it, a U.S. war in Iraq could well pull Israel into the conflict and as a result unwillingly force other Arab countries into the battle. This many fear would provide fuel to the Islamic fundamentalist anti-American, anti-Israel, and anti-Western stance and place Arab regimes currently friendly toward the U.S. in a very precarious situation. This is exactly what someone like bin Laden wants, said one veteran diplomat. In the eyes of many people in the region, this would give a certain degree of legitimacy to the likes of bin Laden and his al-Qaeda terrorist organization, said the diplomat. This is not something we want to see occur. In the aftermath of the terrible events of 9-11-2001, an American-led invasion of Iraq is likely to anger young people in the already explosive Arab Islamic world, which instead of preventing future terrorist attacks, would only be adding fuel to the already ardent Mideast fire. This similar from the 1990-91 Gulf War when President George H., uh, Herbert Walker Bush, father of the current occupant of the White House, managed to persuade Israel to remain quietly on the sidelines of the Desert Storm conflict, despite the fact that Iraqi Scud missiles hit it in several Israeli cities, the current president, George W., is not likely to succeed in keeping Israeli Prime Minister Sharon out of this war. The fact that Israel remained out of the Gulf War helped maintain the anti-Sodom coalition unified, including Arab countries such as Syria. The difference today, according to a number of Arab diplomats, is that Sharon would be more than eager to jump into a renewed conflict with Iraq in order to prove to the U.S. that Israel remains their only true ally in the region. This would help convince American lawmakers and the general public of the importance of maintaining future American support for Israel. Such a move by Israel, in their view, would be especially vital if or when the Middle East peace talks on the future of Palestine were ever to resume. But this possibility is causing concern among members of the Bush administration. It would be in Israel's overwhelming interest not to get involved, said Secretary of Defense Donald, don't call me Hermann Gehring Rumsfeld, during congressional testimony Wednesday on Capitol Hill. Israel's support of the U.S. in a war in Iraq, the Arab diplomats pointed out, would be even more meaningful if America's European allies, with the possible exception of Britain, chose not to participate in the U.S. invasion of Iraq. Already, Russia, France, China, and Arab nations are saying that Iraq's decision to allow the return of weapons inspectors is reason enough to fend off more severe action for the time being. Furthermore, several Arab observers told UPI that they believe Bush would attack Iraq regardless of whether Saddam allows international inspectors back into the country to search for weapons of mass destruction. Bush, they believe, is set on imposing a regime change in Baghdad and not solely finding and destroying possible weapons of mass destruction, a move many fear sets dangerous precedents. Why else would Bush continue to build on his momentum to convince Congress, the Europeans, and the U.N. that Saddam remains a menace? No one should believe his latest ploy, his latest attempt not to be held accountable, said Bush of the Iraqi leader. He continues to defy the United Nations. We've seen him before. We remind the world that by defying the U.N. he's becoming more and more a threat to world peace, continued the Bushmeister. But many diplomats and Mideast analysts don't see it that way and argue that a U.S. attack on Iraq could be a real threat to world peace. Said one former American ambassador to the Middle East, Saddam doesn't pose a real threat to the U.S. Even if he did possess weapons of mass destruction, he doesn't have the delivery capability to target American cities. 
the Iraqi president realizes that a tactical attack on the U.S. will automatically trigger a massive response against his country. This is not something he's likely to do. Saddam pointed out the former diplomat is evil, but not crazy. Written by Claude Salhani of UPI, and it fits right in, ties right into that ad that TomPayne.com is running. That Osama your mama wants you. He's, uh, you can, if he's still alive, you can be damn sure, and even if he's not, his uh, supporters, his followers, his scumbags are salivating at the prospect of us whipping all of these people up into a frenzy, which was the whole concept in the first place. That's what they thought that was going to happen in the beginning after we invaded Afghanistan. Remember the threats? Right. I just mentioned it in passing. We got the Mad Dog, Jim Mandich at 1, Hank Goldberg at 3 this afternoon. Now, let's see. We all we got Thursday. Man, Bino at 5, proving nothing is perfect, even Hank show. Marlins on deck at 6.30 as we finally get down to the very, very last couple of games. Thank the Lord. Marlins at the Spose, 7.05 game time. Eddie Kay will be on board at, uh, after the baseball game. And Joe and Mark overnight, the Dirty Boys, and Joe was actually in there this morning with some of that NASCAR crap. I thought maybe he brought you one of his strippers or something to have a chat with. Oh, we got plenty of our own. Talking about, oh, yeah, how did it go last night? It went great. What you talk about? It's always good. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. It was a fun time. Highboy did not show up, by the way. Oh, did he not? I, yeah. I guess he's probably embarrassed right now because of the fact that he's not only in that chair, but he's also like <coughs> creating quite an aura around himself. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine, you know, he's uh, had his problems lately. But he's still alive, that fat boy. He just keeps rolling along, so to speak. 926 at 560 WQM. You know who else is still alive? Todd Dreck. I'm thinking about that story I got over here. I wonder if Todd knows that guy in Davies still, you think? Yeah, I think. Probably still does. Probably still got that same sour look on his push, too, Todd Dreck. By now, you've heard the incredible earning potential of computer professionals. I'm sure of that. And you've also heard me talk about the incredible, the unbelievable demand for certified computer professionals out there in the real world. We've also told you about the great people at Fast Train. So do yourself a big, a humongous favor and pick up the phone and call the people at Fast Train at their toll-free number, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. You can complete your program, get certified in four short months, and be on your way to a new higher-paying career. Fast Train's got four convenient locations in Dayton Broward. They've got convenient evening, day, and weekend classes to fit your schedule. And they've got a full-time job placement uh, department with over 30 years' experience getting people placed in the computer industry. So if you want to get out of your dead-end job, if you want to get a job that will earn you a big, serious paycheck, and by the way, speaking of paychecks, Duff, just pick up that phone and call our good friends at Fast Train toll-free at 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, or check them out on the World Wide Wicked Web if you like at FastTrain.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Did you think who were being overlooked from that club? Oh, yeah, I think uh, offense, I think Coos should be one. I think uh, on defense, you know, it, it, uh, uh, Norm Evans was by here two weeks ago. And we spent some time together just talking about that team. And uh, when you measure it by today's standards, at height, I mean, weight, height, weight, speed, it doesn't measure up. But it was probably, all the time I've been in the NFL, it's probably the closest I've ever seen to what team means. Those guys, uh, with Arnsbarger and Shula and Howard and all those guys coaching, it was a team probably made fewer mistakes than any team I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And they... Uh, so individually, when you look the way Manny Fernandez played then, oh man, he was he was great. Dick Anderson was great. They had uh, Jake was a, a great. They had so many good players, but I don't know if anyone alone uh, would get the recognition um, 
to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, I'm not saying that's right, but I think it was more of a the team should have been put in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, that no-name defense was was called that because everybody contributed and nobody really stood out. When I say that, that doesn't mean they couldn't play. They just right. they just all played well together. Yeah, Bob Mathis. I mean, you go up and down the the, the the list of players over there, and they did such a great job. And you had the full Tim Foley and uh, God, Lloyd Mumford. I had all these guys, and they were they were really good players. But uh, oh gosh, um, I don't know who you'd single out and say would have a chance to be voted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Back to the present, what do you look for from the Falcons this year? Well, with realignment, um, I, I think they, they'll, you know, I don't, I'm not good at picking things like this. I, I certainly think they'll be competitive in their division, and they have New Orleans, Carolina, and Tampa. Uh, uh, it'll, it'll be fun to sit back and, and, and watch this. I, I'm not sure what to expect out of them, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, that's, I don't think I've ever been known what to expect out of any team that I've been around. <laughs> well, does a lot depend on how quickly Vic develops? Yes, uh, it does, but I think what they're doing here is, is making it so it won't depend solely on that. Um, I think that they're going to do everything to protect Michael, and, you know, he'll make big plays, but I, I don't think they want to put it all on him, and I think uh, that's that's smart. I think if they did, then... Uh, they probably wouldn't be as effective. So, if they can get their, you know, their line and the thing, their 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 offensive schemes going, I think then, you know, then they have a chance to move the ball. They moved it last year, even though they weren't they, they were seven and nine, but they weren't a great team last year. But they they still. Floridians, dumb as dirt. Do you know it's time to get a fifteens flying? We're about to hit them with everything all at once. Buying one of those pumpkin B-52s And Baghdad's going down, no doubt about it I know that war gives you the creeps But it's almost a necessity It all keeps setting up New blowing Iraqis up Saddam we must destroy Let's not postpone They denied our chance To have inspectors glance And look around and see what's going on They said hey no more No more you can explore And that's reason enough for us to act upon I know that war gives you the creeps, but it's almost a necessity. It all keeps setting up to blowing Iraqis up. Saddam, we must destroy. Let's not postpone. Nine thirty-one at five sixty WQM. Happy Thursday to you. Alleged bum fights video makers arrested in California. What a bummer. San Diego, two men who allegedly paid street people to fight each other as part of the Internet video sensation Bum Fights have been arrested in San Diego, police said Tuesday. The arrest of Vegas resident Zachary Bubeck, 24, and Ryan Edward McPherson, 19, followed a three-month probe by the La Mesa Police Department in the Bum Fights tapes, Lieutenant Raul Garcia said. La Mesa is a suburb of San Diego.
Bubak surrendered on Monday and detectives arrested him first in La Mesa two weeks ago, Garcia said. Police said they were still looking for two other Las Vegas residents as well as others who may have been involved in the production of bum fights. Producers claimed to have sold more than 300,000 copies of bum fights over the Internet for 19.99 each. Now, how much would that be? Six million bucks? Okay. That's what it looks like to me. Bum Fights Volume 1, touted by producers as the fastest-selling independent video featuring drunks and crackheads, shows bedraggled men engaging in fistfights and acts of self-abuse, such as running headlong into steel doors and leaping off bridges. Police say the Bum Fights producers persuaded street people to fight for the camera in exchange for cash payments, food, liquor, <laughs> and hotel rooms, but warned the participants not to tell authorities about the remuneration. One person broke his leg during a taping session in La Mesa, and producers threatened another witness in the case, police said. Bubeck and McPherson were charged with conspiracy, solicitation of a felony crime, and legally paying people to fight. They were due in court October 10 for a preliminary hearing. What's wrong with bum fights? Nothing. They need the money. Isn't it entertainment? I mean, they're maybe not being... Maybe because they're not members of the union. Could that be it? They're not members of AFTRA? Because Don King isn't their manager. At any rate, yeah, they, uh, he could get his figure in it. Maybe we'll get Jesse Jackson involved in that, too, okay, after he gets done with that uh, movie, which we'll get in later if we have time. I mean, what, what a... And Al Sharpton's in on that, too. Oh, you notice that? Sure. It's a thing. It's a This thing. is one of the... <coughs> although there seem to be more and more of these stories. Maybe we just never heard about these before, just like the kids being uh, abducted. Pennsylvania teen dies in Florida hospital. A severely malnourished teen who authorities said was starved by his mother and stepfather died yesterday... Four days after he was found wandering a Florida town weighing 62 pounds. On Saturday, 18-year-old Chester Lee Miller knocked on a stranger's door in Milton, Florida. You know where Milton is? No. It's up by, um, uh, uh, what's that place? Bradenton? No. Where the bird was from. What the hell's that Yahoo place? La Lakeland? E L Lakeland. It's up in that area, I think. Anyway, it doesn't make any difference where it is. He knocked on a stranger's door in Milton, asked if he could take a shower and rest. The woman gave him a sandwich and something to drink, then phoned for help. The five-foot-three teenager told police his stepfather in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, had put him on a bus to Florida and told him to go look for his real dad. Miller's mother and stepfather, Lida Miller, 37, and Paul Hoffman, Sr., 38, were charged in Pennsylvania with aggravated assault and recklessly endangering another person. Hazleton Police Chief Edward Harry said investigators plan to charge the couple with homicide. Excellent. At a hearing Tuesday, Hoffman said he was on disability for mental illness and that he was deeply sorry for his actions. I have no idea why I did it, he told the judge. Janice Goodman said the boy arrived on her doorstep Saturday with sunken eyes, barely able to stand. She said he'd been turned away from the home of an uncle in the nearby town of Baghdad. That's without an H. Oh. He looked like a Holocaust victim. She said, I felt worried for his safety. I felt as though he was going to die right there. Officials in Milton said they didn't know how long the teen was there before he was hospitalized. He said he'd been here maybe a week, but he wasn't sure. He was so malnourished we weren't sure how clear his mind was, Detective Mike Doherty said Tuesday. Investigators said he told Goodman his parents had been very mean to him. Prosecutors said the boy's mother and stepfather confined him to one room, beat him every day, fed him only scraps, and didn't let him out of the house to go to school or see friends. Two other children living in the couple's home were removed into state custody when the couple was charged. They appeared to be in good health, officials said. Investigators believe that the neglect started in May. Harry said the couple admitted abusing the boy but didn't explain why. The couple didn't yet have attorneys. The family lived in downtown Hazelden, a small city 80 miles north of Philadelphia. Miller's grandma lived in an apartment across the hall. His cousin Clifford Ships Jr., 22, said the teen seemed healthy and weighed at least 110 pounds when he last saw him about six weeks ago. And now, he's dead. That's right. 
Hey, that new pull is in the works on there. See, it's a, it's a long one. It's a big one. It's a big project, and Eric is working on it, which we thank him profusely because he's sacrificing a lot of calories to do that. Although when you have that many choices on the pull, probably like work off a lot of calories, typing in all those choices, wouldn't you think? You'd think? No. Robert Shear, who I notice now has his own uh, website. You see that? RobertShear.com. That's it. Syndicated columnist who's written many, many great columns. He's excellent. He's on top of it. This particular one was published uh, in, uh, what's today, Thursday, Tuesday's uh, L.A. Times. Bush jumps the gun with preemptive strikes, writes, writes uh, Robert Shear. President Bush's recently announced strategic global doctrine, which for the first time justifies a preemptive U.S. strike against any regime thought to possess weapons of mass destruction, makes a mockery of the war on terrorism. A preemptive, stri a preemptive strike against Home Depot, where box cutters can be bought for a few bucks, would seem more relevant to disarming future terrorists. After all, those tools were deadly enough when used to commandeer the four airplanes that caused the destruction of 9-11, and the big box store sells fertilizer, too, and we all know how deadly that stuff can be. Convenient oversights like this are all part of that sleight of hand this administration specializes in to pursue its aims. Whether it's a giant tax cut or the dethroning of Saddam Hussein, Bush can always find a rationale in the day's headlines for what he wanted to do all along. Just in time, Bush's former national security strategy released last week attempts to justify such anticipatory military attacks by the U.S. to forestall or prevent hostile acts by our adversaries, even if uncertainty remains as to the time and place of the enemy's attack. The doctrine also says we won't tolerate any nation that seeks military parity with the U.S. This posture will only encourage aggression by other nations, such as India, which has every reason to be panicked about the nuclear arsenal, unstable government, and aggressive rhetoric of its neighbor Pakistan. Instead of saber-rattling, Bush should welcome the return of human disarmament inspectors to Iraq. Bush's haste to make war on Iraq is understandable only as a ploy to avoid dealing with the struggling U.S. economy, a still shadowy al-Qaeda leadership that hasn't been brought to heel yet, and the alarming disintegration of the Mideast peace process. There simply is no evidence that Iraq had anything to do with the tragedy that has so traumatized this nation. Why then a sudden policy shift threatening preemptive strikes against any nation, producing weapons of mass destruction when advanced weaponry played no role in our troubles? Weapons of mass destruction are certainly a threat to the world, but for all the talk of smallpox, the apparently homebred anthrax attacks, and Hussein's own use of nerve gas on Kurdish children, the true weapons of mass destruction that threaten human existence are nuclear. Or is that nuclear? Don't start. Yet the U.S. is still opposed to the abolishment of nuclear weapons, and this administration has even beefed up efforts to refine and develop our massive H-bomb arsenal at a time when an alarming number of nations have nuclear weapons, and Iraq's wobbly nuke programs is not yet on that list. It ill behooves the nation that has dropped nuclear bombs on civilians to continue to treat them as acceptable military weapons. The Bush administration's continued emphasis on developing a Star Wars missile defense system basically endorses a nuclear warfighting strategy. Instead of renouncing nuclear weapons as inherently barbaric as we've done with chemical and biological weapons, this administration is making a shambles of the anti-ballistic missile and other arms control treaties so we can make better nukes. If there's an area in which Bush is truly tutored, it's not on the subject of grammar, but rather on the historical risk of moral hubris. Consequently, his administration's answer to all criticisms of his aggressive unilateralism is that the U.S. is unique, empowered to engage in a unique American internationalism, formerly known as imperialism. The man seems simply incapable of countenancing the notion that this nation can ever do wrong. This was the assumption of imperial emperors throughout history who took it for granted they were improving the lot of their colonies. We have only to look at the untenable map of the Mideast imposed by France and Britain to see that this was patently untrue. Good intentions are often the most damaging, and history teaches us to beware the firepower of the angels of death, for they're never restrained by uncertainty of purpose. In this way, the Bush Doctrine is a supremely dangerous cocktail, an explosive blend of the arrogance of our uniquely powerful post-Cold War military strength laced with a mind-numbing fear of box-cutter-wielding maniacs.
Rich Roberts here on his uh, website today and in Tuesday's L.A. Times. I guess I better vote during the break on that poll, huh? Oh, it's up? It's up. The poll looks like it's up. At least on my page it is, on the home page. I guess there it is. wants me to... It's, it's there. There it is. There it is. You see it? That's it. There it is. 20 till 10 at 560 WQM. Take good care of your feet. Remember that song by Bobby, Bobby V, Take Good Care of Your Feet? Nope. Yeah, take your good care of my baby feet. New Balance of South Florida will take good care of them because they'll hook them up with some really fantastic walking shoes and running shoes and cross-training and cross-dressing shoes. If you need shoes for weightlifting, any of your other activities, this is the place to find them, New Balance. They're unbelievable, including those shoes that I'm wearing with those Velcro straps for lazy, fat old people like me. They're sensational and comfortable and give you lots and lots of support. And when you go into New Balance, they still do the same old deal, man. They haven't changed. They still want to make sure you get a perfect fit. And the only way to do that is to measure it, to see how long it is, how wide it is. They grab a hold of it and your foot, too. And you can be guaranteed you're going to have the size in there, too, that you're looking for because they got them all from size infants up to size 20. So even if you got gigantic, humongous feet like the lovely Tom Welling, they'll st still get you into whatever you want. New Balance is South Florida. they got style sizes and widths of shoes you can only find before in catalogs or by mail order. So make a run over to New Balance of South Florida. You'll find them in uh, three locations right now and a fourth coming mighty soon. They're in the Aventura Mall. They're in Pinecrest in uh, Boca Town Center. And coming in November to their brand-new location in prestigious Palm Beach Gardens. If your feet could thank you, they'd kiss you right in the puss for schlepping them over to New Balance shoes. Live and local, this, this is 560. The radio's all yours now. QAM. Have you ever had to explain to your parents your offense? I have downloaded things and masturbated against. Seems all the time I'd have my eyes on the boobs and behind. Sick in the mind, but I used to do that all of the time. Every morning, noon, and night I'd hit a porno site. A bonafide perverted sex psycho in my own right. There were places I found with lots of horny bear chicks. So my desktop got those JPEGs, all 20 gigs. Until one day my mother discovered this filthy porno lover. Kicked me right in the behind, told me my mind's in the gutter. And she told my dad about the stuff on my Dell. My computer made me a loser and could land me in hell. I'm sorry, mama. I never thought that you could view all those naked girls and guys. So tonight... Cleaning out my hard drive One more time I'm sorry mama I never thought that you could view All those naked girls and guys So tonight I'm cleaning out my hard drive When it down Clean it the hell out 946 at 560 I'm not going to look at that poll anymore You know at the poll result Okay because if I know if I did that, it would make me feel that I'm like totally wasting my time with what I'm doing here every day, and I don't want to feel that way. You see what I'm saying? I, 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 look at that. No, I know. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. In other words, Bush is picking up votes. Right. And so I'm just I'm, I'm what I'm going to do is I'm going to put like a blinder on the side of my head because it, it's uh, like that is what it is. I think it's because of that speech he made. Yeah, that must have been it. That speech, because it was uh, so damn articulate. That must have been it. Put him right over the top. Good morning. Well, get out of here. Too good gets brief visit with daughter. A woman caught on a department store surveillance tape repeatedly striking her for we know who it is. Visited with a girl for about ninety five minutes yesterday. Do you know that? Nope. Well now you do. See you're learning already. You're learning two things. You're learning the result of that poll so far. I mean just keep reminding me, don't look. Don't look. Don't do it. 
I mean, the teeth. Oh, look at that. They found, uh, parents found shot dead. What is this? Well, it's been six weeks, though. Oh, that's that old story, okay, when the parents were found shot. They found that body in Virginia, you know, the skull? Yes, yes. When you know something, see, they like to put this stuff on here. Breaking news. That just aggravates me. But it doesn't aggravate me nearly as much as turning my head to the right and looking at the computer screen. Won't do it. Don't do it. Don't look at that monitor, baby. The visit was Madeline Gorman Toogood's first chance to see her daughter, Martha, since the girl was placed in foster care after Toogood was charged Saturday with battery of a child. A scheduled visit Tuesday was canceled because Martha allegedly was ill. I don't believe that, do you? No. Nope. Toogood and her husband, John, visited Martha together yesterday. She was teary-eyed as she left afterward. Yeah, she looked good, John Toogood said as he got into his car outside the Thomas and Frederick Juvenile Justice Center. His wife didn't say nothing other than to urge her husband not to talk with the reporters. Some people standing outside the center recognized the couple and began shouting, Someone ought to beat you, one woman yelled. Yeah, you go, girl. Someone ought to beat that bitch. The videotape of Too Good hitting her daughter on September 13th, as we all know, has been shown repeatedly by TV stations around the nation over and over and over and over again. Let's see it again. Too Good. Hey, Two can play that game. You better watch yourself. Too good, 25, has said she hit her daughter in the head and back and pulled her hair, but didn't punch her. She's pleaded innocent to felony battery of a child, although her attorney says he's hoping a plea agreement can be reached. Too good, who also has two young sons, remains free on $5,000 bond, is scheduled to appear in court October 7. If convicted, she faces up to three years in prison. She's seeking to have Martha placed in the care of a relative while she tries to regain permanent custody. This from Fox News. Oh, man. You're reading stories from Fox News? Not again if I can help it. Hey, listen, they got nobody can blame uh, anybody but themselves on those other two networks. Right. Although MSNBC is starting to make some progress, and I'll say it again, I know it sounds crazy coming from me, but i got to tell it like it is. That Preston Buchanan show is a good show. And when, didn't I tell when you? is it on? I keep forgetting when it's two on. Two to four. Two to four, MSNBC. Every day. It's great. It's an excellent show. What happened? In fact, in fact yesterday, yesterday, the only reason I found out about that TomPayne.com ad, they had the guy, uh, the head honcho of that website, the originator of it, he was on there. Hmm. And they showed the uh, ad and the whole deal, and I got all whipped up, and I came running in here, and I got on their website, and there it was. Plus a couple of other good articles, one of which I already read, the one from the UPI guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a damn good show. And Pat Buchanan, I don't know whether he found some new kind of religion or whether, uh, I don't know what his deal he, is. He must have had a near-death experience or something. Is that what it was? I, I don't know. Man, or maybe he found out that Rick Riley voted for him, and he figured he'd better change his tune. <laughs> but, boy, he's he's uh, and very, very, very anti this uh, impending invasion of Iraq, very anti. But it's a damn good show, and like I said, they have great guests on there. So they're, they're making some progress. And, of course, we got old Phil there at night, Phil O'Donohue. Like that, you know. He just fumbles and bumbles too much. I guess that might have been kind of a... In an annoying way, kind of like a, the charm of his act like four, 30 years ago, you know, back in the 70s. When I, I don't so remember great. him fumbling and bumbling so much. But now he just uh, he just, he just can't get a straight question out. He has to keep like, ah, why, you know. Come on, Phil. Let's see. Anybody, uh, Gore pick anybody up over here or not? No. One. And the Nader people, I'd vote the same for Nader. See, that's that's what really gets me. That's what gets me is you Nader assholes out there. They're the ones that turn the election. Plus the fact that it was fixed. But beside that, Nader's Raiders. Boy, did they accomplish anything? No. Did they get him uh, no. squat is what they got him. Now, this is an editorial from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, which is actually a pretty crappy little paper. But they have good editorials. Now, see, the reason they don't need to have a good paper in Vegas is 
Let's face it. When you're in Vegas, are you gonna? No, you're not gonna be sitting around reading the newspaper. No. No. Now the only reason I've read it is every once in a while, like that place that used to be in the Stardust, which is not there anymore, I guess. The one where it's like the um, American Graffiti's type place. That uh, the diner, Ralph's Diner. Okay. You know, if you were ever in the Ralph? Uh, no, you wouldn't have been there. Nope. You weren't there long enough. Nope. Ralph's Diner was a great place, and I'm not saying the food was great. It was kind of greasy, but it was like a, a greasy spoon kind of diner, like throwback to the olden days. And once in a while, I'd be eating in there. Maybe I'd go by myself, get up real early, and go to breakfast. And I'd see, I, I can't eat without reading in a restaurant. Okay. Every day when I leave here, I go out and I get the uh, two, my the star and the sun, not necessarily in that order, the sun and the star, Toronto papers, and I go wherever I'm going to go eat. And even if I'm going to come back here and make my lunch here, I'm reading papers while I'm eating. Now, you're not really supposed to do that, they say. Why not? That's what makes people fat. <laughs> I don't know. Who the hell knows? You're supposed to just sit there and eat and concentrate on the food, and you'll feel like more uh, satisfied. I have no really? idea. Seems to me like a classic waste of time. Sure. I'm sitting there something. having a bowl of matzo ball soup or something. I want to be reading the Toronto Sun. I want to read about how the uh, Leafs blew a two-goal lead in last minute and a half of a meaningless exhibition game here last night against Buffalo. Eh? Tom Fitzgerald had two goals, by the way. Oh! I just mentioned that in passing. Well, don't talk hockey. You'll get the old man upset again. He'll be giving away more prizes to Jack Thompson or Coral Gables on the air again at the end of his show if you don't uh, calm down. Okay. At least the Bush... This is the editorial from the Vegas Review-Journal. At least the Bush administration is consistent, faced with separate new state laws in which in a number of states allow medical patients to use marijuana on a doctor's recommendation, and which in Oregon allow doctors to provide, not administer, life-ending drugs to terminally ill patients. The Bush administration says no and no. No. And no. Dying patients not only have to live in pain, they have to live a really long time in pain, no matter what their degree of anguish. In San Francisco on Monday, U.S. Attorney General John Ashcroft's Justice Department renewed its campaign to have Oregon's four-year-old Death with Dignity Act thrown out, asking U.S. appeals court to strip participating Oregon doctors of their right to practice medicine or even to charge them criminally. This from an administration, mind you, which campaigned on a promise that the GOP would do better than the meddling Democrats when it came to respecting the Tenth Amendment rights of the several states to decide their own course on such matters in which the federal constitution grants the central government no power to meddle in the first place. Under the Oregon law, overwhelmingly approved by voters there in 1994 and again in 1997, patients who are given less than six months to live are allowed to request a lethal dose of drugs only if two doctors confirm the diagnosis and judge the patient mentally competent to make his or her own decisions. Oregon has reported that at least 91 patients have used the option since Governor John Kitzhaber, a physician, signed the law in 1998. According to the federal logic, however, the lethal prescriptions can be banned on the grounds that they do not constitute medications under the Controlled Substances Act, but this gets the logic of limited government precisely backwards. If the Oregon lethal doses aren't medications, the federal government has no grounds to ban or control them any more than can jail doctors for advising their patients to drink more than orange juice on the theory that orange juice is not a recognized medication. What does it mean to insist Americans still live in a free country if we don't even retain title of our own lives and bodies if those who are sound of mind are to be forced to live in their final days in agony and physical humiliation just so no government bureaucrat will ever be forced to confront the sobering fact that their lives belong to us individually rather than to the omnipotent state? Oregon patients have already threatened to shoot themselves if Mr. Ashcroft's directive goes into effect, reports Georgia Gimi, executive director of the Compassion in Dying organization. How would Mr. Ashcroft propose to prevent that? Stiff new federal restrictions on the sale of bullets? <gasps> Whoops, better not give them any ideas, it says. Good editorial in the Las Vegas uh, Review uh, Journal, whatever it is. Yeah, man. Which I'm sure most of you don't read, because when you're in Vegas, like I said, you're busy. They don't want you sitting down reading any newspapers. They want you plunging your brains out. I'm burned out. I don't think I'm going back. To Vegas? No. 
I don't, I just am burnt out. There's just no point. It's like, you know, if I want to just hand somebody a basket full of money, I can just, hey, here you go. Here's a few Thanks. grand, yeah? No, I didn't say you. Oh. <laughs> I'm talking about somebody who's really destitute. Carlos. Yeah, he's, he's on the payroll, baby, which means someday he might get paid. Might. You better explain to him about the fact that just because you're on the payroll, don't assume that necessarily means the oh. transfer of any cash. He knows all about it. I see. He's been listening. Because we work for the Beasleys, and the Beasleys, they have this bizarre attitude, like, uh, we'll pay you if and when we get around to it, and if not, just uh, suck this, you know. 956, that's what Bob Vermouth told me. He said, that's their mentality. He said, uh, you know, when in doubt, get the hell out. And if you don't like it, don't come back. Uh, see, now I'm looking at that poll. I'm not, I'm, don't let me look at don't. it. Don't. <laughs> well, there's so many choices on there, your eyes can't adjust that fast, so I really don't know where the hell it is. At least let me just see how many votes are on there. 105. It's 107. Oh, I got 107. I'm ahead of you. Isn't that embarrassing? I'm all the way up here, and you're sitting right there. Not that that makes any difference. And I'm like two votes ahead of you. No, Here's no. a guy that's ahead of everybody else in the car business, and that's my good buddy Tom Lehman down there at Hallett Pontiac GMC. He is doing it. In fact, when you go there, this is such a great guy. He would love to talk to you about our morning show, number one, and about two, his AE, his account executive, which is Bob Eisenberg and that dead muskrat that died on Bob's head, and they still can't get it off. Anyway, they're doing it again down there at Hallett. They're offering you 0% financing, and you heard right. With approved credit from GMAC, you can get yourself 0% financing for up to 36 months on all of those spiffy brand-new 2003 Pontiacs and GMCs in stock right now or take you a rebate of up to four grand in all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock. And while you're at Hallett, just take your time, browse around. There's no high pressure. They don't hide your keys. They don't play any games with your credit cards. And take a little look at the uh, GMC SUVs in stock, including the Envoy, voted by Motor Trend as SUV of the year. And check out the all-new Pontiac Vibe SUV that's got the power of a big, fancy-schmancy sports car. Hallett's also got a dependable selection of great pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And as far as credit is concerned, even if you're, like, on the uh, cusp, if you're on the edge, if you're, like, on the uh, edge of oblivion financially, they'll still work you out a deal. So if you want an unbeatable deal on Pontiacs and GMCs, this is the place. Hallett Pontiac. They've been treating people right for over 35 years, which is why they're still in that same amazing location on US-1. That's uh, South Dixie Highway across from the Falls, 13401 to be exact. Open every day, seven days a week. For more info, call 305-238-4040. That's 305-238-4040 for Hallett Pontiac GMC, who do be professional grade. <laughs> Sports Radio 560, QAM. Hell, it damn near killed them. Do you have the next million-dollar idea and just don't know how to get started? I invented a plug you stick in your butt in case you got diarrhea. Do you think a manufacturer would want to produce and market your product and pay you royalties? Sure, it works pretty good, unless you got an industrial case of diarrhea. Uh. Hey, it's all over the floor! Hey. Uh. Call the professionals at Universal Consulting Service. They must have got a hold of some of that candy that P.D. Lenny's always bringing in, you know what? Sorbitol drops. 10 o'clock at 560 WQAM. Oh! Man, what a beautiful day. This is perfect. I think I'm going to, like, uh, just hang out outside. I'm going to leave right now, go downstairs, go outside. And just stand out there and soak in the sun, soak in the rays, you know what? Mark, you better put something on before you leave. Now, let me just see. 14, 58 right now. See, it looks beautiful, but it's a little on the chilly side yet. Going to make 75 today. And I did this and then Monday, supposedly, going to be back up to like 77. But in the interim, uh, the party's over as far as the real warm temperatures up here. 
so I won't be able to rub it in quite so much. I'm looking at our pool. We've got 127 votes, and then I'm putting my hand over my eyes real quick. Yeah, maybe put some tape over the uh, screen there. We asked today if you had a chance to recast your 2,000 vote for president, what would you do? What would you be doing, huh? I'd vote the same for Gore, 67. I'd vote the same for Bush, 28. I didn't vote in 2013. I voted for Gore, but now I'd vote for Bush, 12. Oi! I voted for Bush, but now I'd vote for Gore, 3. I voted for Nader, and I would vote the same three. I voted for Nader, but I'd vote for Gore now, one. And I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Bush, none, zero. So uh, you take that 12 minus four, eight. So Bush picked up eight votes. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, see no, how this I thing works? It. You understand he picked up a net of eight on all of this. So how many did he win by? Like 527 he won Florida by? Something Which like was, that. of course, what turned the election. I think that was it, 500 and some odd. So now he's at like uh, 535. And he better save some of these because his uh, son might need him. What are you laughing about? That's my next story here from today's Herald. Don't if it's in the Herald, it could be true. No. It might be. No. No. McBride gains on Bush in poll, and, of course, being uh, Jeb, the Jebmeister. With the new poll showing Governor Jeb Bush's once uh, dawning lead reduced to just single digits, there were signs from the campaign. Did I say his son? Slip. Well, uh, kissing cousin, whatever he is, his brother. With the new poll showing Governor Jeb Bush's once dawning lead reduced to just single digits, there were signs from the campaign trail yesterday that Democratic challenger Bill McBride is forcing the incumbent on the defensive. All right. How do you like that? He's forcing him on the defensive. All right. Putting him on the fence. All right. As McBride appeared at inner city Miami Elementary School to rail against Bush's system of using standardized tests to, up to uh, grade schools, Bush trotted out the second installment of a new education plan designed to remind voters that he considers himself the education governor. But even as the governor touted his plan, he all but begged reporters to stop asking about McBride. Any other questions about our proposal, he asked, during a press conference at Orlando Airport Terminal? And they looked at him and thought, Terminal. The new survey by Mason-Dixon Pooling and Research shows that McBride is close to within six percentage points of Bush, 49 to 43 percent, after a 31-point edge that Bush had over the then-unknown Tampa lawyer in the same pool back in February. How do you like that? Just six points in dropping... Like a rock. The tighter margin illustrates the... Oh, I shouldn't have said rock. That's a bad term to use when you're talking about uh, Jeb Bush's family. No. Well, sometimes they find a rock in your shoe, you know, when yes. you've been walking in that mountainous terrain. Although we don't have any mountains in Florida. Maybe it's just some sand in the shoe. Or maybe una spina. Solo the tighter margin spina? illustrates... Huh? Nothing. The tighter margin illustrates the change solo una spina. Illustrates the dynamics of a uh, governor's race that for months has been considered Bush's to lose. But even as McBride inches closer to the president's brother, Wednesday showed that the newly crowned Democratic nominee has got work to do, building his image in his party's traditional stronghold of South Florida. Hey, all you South Floridians out there that voted for Janet Reno, this guy may be kind of a little bit of a Yahoo from Tampa, but he ain't Jeb Bush, okay? Just keep that in mind on November 5th when you go in record-breaking numbers, especially all you dark-complected people. Remember what Jeb Bush tried to do to you, okay? And remember that his brother is uh, still whipping up that Back to Africa program. See, instead of the PTA, now we got the BTA, Back to Africa. McBride made his first personal appeal to Dave Black leaders. See, there you go. Well, I'm telling you, I am on top of it. You know what? Yep. Not that it's having any impact at all based on what I'm looking at on that poll, which is enough to make me blow somebody's brains out, not mine. Well, I already got this thing on stem cell research. That's another area, by the way, where you ought to be wishing you voted for anybody else. Stem cell research. It's all very sad. It's tragic. Anyway, can I get back to this? I... McBride made his first personal appeal to date black leaders who had generally backed his primary election rival, Janet Reno, who would be critical to a McBride victory over Bush on November 5th. 
McBride acknowledges that the man he selected as his running mate, State Senator Tom Rawson, got the job only after he asked somebody else first, uh, retiring U.S. Representative Carrie Meek. And, of course, we all know she'd be black. In a private meeting later in the day with about 60 black leaders, McBride introduced himself and told the group he hadn't spent much time campaigning in Dade prior to the uh, primary because he knew it was Reno's turf. But he noted, she and I are together now. What a thought that is, huh? <laughs> I understand that she was first in their heart, and I don't want to change that, McBride said. But it's beyond personalities. This is about November 5, and who's going to be the next governor? Reno attended yesterday's meeting, and several Reno campaign workers have jumped over to the McBride team. Oh! When in doubt, jump on it, baby. Hop on it. Her campaign manager, Mo Elethy, became a deputy manager. Uh, what is it? Becomes deputy campaign manager for McBride, while Reno political director James Harris will run much of McBride's outreach toward black voters. Good news. All you Schwarzers out there, vote early and often. Often. Two, three, four times. Because they don't like to count your votes in Florida anyway. So vote several times just to be sure at least one of them gets in. The meeting was upbeat for McBride, but it was clear that there were lingering tensions over his tenor following the chaotic primary that forced Reno to wait a week before conceding. McBride was quizzed about his lukewarm endorsement of Reno's quest to count the votes in South Florida. After he declared the victory, McBride largely deflected questions about the voting snag, saying it was important to start campaigning against Bush. I've been pretty strong on the need to count the South Florida vote, McBride said yesterday. I said a lot, it just wasn't as newsworthy. The most pointed questions were directed at McBride's choice of a running mate, Ross and a patrician white-haired grandfather who most black leaders don't know. Leaders were pleased to learn that McBride accorded Representative Meek even if she turned out his offer. In an interview yesterday, the retiring congresswoman said she would happily campaign for McBride. We got our two guys. She said we got to wrap our arms around them, close ranks, and try to kick Jeb Bush's, Jeb Bush's butt. Wrecked <laughs> him. That's right. Jeb Bush's butt. Bush, meanwhile, donned a hard hat at Union Hall in Hialeah. Oh, what was he doing there? Besides speaking in some foreign language. Donned a hard hat at the Union Hall in Hialeah, accepted the endorsement of the state's Carpenters Union chapter, and pronounced himself ready to take it to McBride at their first debate Friday night. Did you know that they were having a debate tomorrow night? No. All right. Officials of the United Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners of America said it was the first time their union endorsed a Republican for governor of Florida. The Carpenters. Well, she's uh, not feeling too good anyway. Bush then flew to Orlando to unveil the second installment of his Blueprint for Achievement, a series of education policy pronouncements intended to build on the A-plus accountability plan that McBride has made the leading target of his campaign. Wednesday's plan called Retaining Quality Teachers would create more salary bonuses for teachers to receive national board certification and offer better retirement incentives to encourage teachers to stay in the classroom. As Bush stood on stage with several teachers, including one former teacher of the year featured in one of his TV ads, the press conference turned into a conversation more and more about McBride and less about the governor's record and ideas. It was the first indication that Bush, who once held a large double-digit lead in the polls over both Reno and McBride, was losing control over the agenda of the race. In contrast, McBride faced a bank of TV cameras in the courtyard of Lily C. Ele uh, Evans Elementary School in Liberty City and railed against using standardized tests to grade the schools as several state teacher union members stood by. McBride called the new Mason-Dixon survey, which pulled 625 registered voters and had a margin of error of four percentage points, astounding, and proclaimed that the governor was nervous. Nervous. He's making in his pants he's so nervous, he said. Bush waved off the poll's results as merely the ebb and flow of politics and said that the surge is always natural for the winner of a primary. I'm actually surprised that I'm that far ahead, said the governor. How do you like that, huh? He's gaining, and it's only like uh, 26th of September. He's gaining ground. He's picking up uh, trail. It's like, a, it's like your horse is like about ten lengths ahead at the top of the stretch, and he starts like getting on his hands and knees. You know, in second place behind him is just roaring, roaring like a gigantic freight train, like an express train, going to pass him like he's standing still. Like he's in reverse. 
And he does. He goes whizzing on by. Well, now, let's see. We got, uh, I'm, I'm just looking at that poll. Why? What's the, what's the, for the hell of it. You know that, you know that, that thing about I vote now for, you know that uh, we're getting some uh, loonies on I know, on I didn't want to say it. Well, why not? Because then he'll double his efforts. Uh, no, he won't. Uh, who cares? Oh, See, you just, you just don't get it, man. You, when we do I the do poll, just it. shut up. Just dummy up, okay? You don't get it. Don't, don't keep planning. You, you keep planning. That's what you just did. No, no, I did not. All right. See, you don't understand the nuances. Oh. You don't understand the minds of sick, twisted, and you think I haven't done this long enough, but I guess you need one more summer, although based on this last number. Anyway, if you had a chance to recast your 2,000 vote for president, where would it go? What would you do? I'd vote the same for Gore 94. I'd vote the same for Bush 34. I didn't vote in 2018. And shame on you, okay? That's 18 already. We only got, what we got here? 19 now. We got 176 votes, and there's already 19 people didn't vote. Don't you feel bad about those people no. that we could have used desperately? We could have used you two years ago, okay? We could have used you big time. Not that your votes would have counted. I voted uh, for Gore, but now I'd vote for Bush 15. See what you did? I voted for Bush, but now I'd vote for Gore 4. I'd vote the same Nader 4. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Gore 2. And I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Bush none. None. So let's see. It's 6, uh, uh, 9, right? 9 is the margin that Bush has picked up there. Not, he's picking up votes now, the Bushmeister. Oh, my God. What do you think he would say if he could see that result? Good morning. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just... A scary, ain't it? I'm a scared. I'm a scared, believe me. But hey, you know, don't confuse the public with the facts because the one thing that uh, they always said is don't ever overestimate the intelligence of the American public, which is why they put this Alfred E. Newman in there in the first place. There's an article I got here somewhere, which I guess I'll never get to, but I just should, just should reference it now. I can't stand people who say reference it, but I just, I should reference it now. Uh, about scientists discovered that we're not really that closely related to like, uh, chimps. Did you see that? No. I got it's way, way, way down here. I'll never get to it. But at any rate, and I look at him. I look at that Alfred E. Uh, Newman deer in the headlights look on his puss, and I say to myself, well, maybe you ought to redo the study, okay? Because, and this is not a joke. This is not funny. This is not a time for, and of course, Al Gore, oh, is he pathetic. And by the way, Boca Brian, don't be sending me any more copies of Al Gore's speeches, okay? Jesus Christ and Joseph and Mary. Sends me that. I'm delighted to receive his disc. That was nice. But to find in there the text of Al Gore's speech, man, I'm here looking to have a good time, not just to go into a coma. If I want to go into a coma, I'll listen next time that Hank is out there one day. You know who's going to be on for him. No. I don't want to say it. Yeah, it's just uh, I just don't understand it. But that's the American public out there. And, of course, they're so emotional. And you see the poll. They're being manipulated just like you see those strings in The Godfather in the beginning, the puppets on the string. That's how the public is manipulated. Get them all whipped up, get them all emotional. And like Carl Rove said, you know, you don't you don't uh, start marketing a new product in August because everybody's on vacation. It's the dog days. You wait till after Labor Day. And then, of course, when you got the anniversary of 9-11 to capitalize on and whip up the flags and get that orange alert on there and get everybody duly patriotic and, oh, we got to get all uh, hysterical now and we got to go in there because something has changed. Has anything changed? No. Is Saddam more threatening today than he was six months ago? No. A year ago? No. No. And even with that impassioned bunch of bullcrap by Tony Blair the other day, which I have no respect left for him, probably too much spotted dick, that's his problem. They, and there's still, uh, there's still nothing there. Nothing new. Same old crap. Same old song and a dance. What am I getting excited about, huh? I don't know. I should just... 
Right. 1013 at 560 WQAM with your busy lifestyle, and you need all the stuff you can uh, pop in your body to stay healthy. And here's something you can pop right in your old mouth, and it's Oleomed. It's a super new product. More and more people are buying it. More and more people are using it. It contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with lots of other fantastic stuff in that little teeny-tiny capsule. And, by the way, these aren't horse pills. These are easy to swallow. Along with the uh, olive oil, there's vitamins, minerals, and herbals, and they've concocted a separate product to uh, aim at uh, each different part of your health. They have one for your heart. There's one to lower your blood pressure, one for your cholesterol, one designed to help your prostate, one for your circulatory system. There's one for your digestive and endocrine system, one for your skin and bones, and even one for your mind, all using the benefits of the purest and finest olive oil that you'll find anywhere. And Oleomed makes products to help men and ladies as well. I don't think we have any ladies anymore, by the way. Two or three. Nah, we have uh, one or two. It's an outstanding new product. If you'd like to pick some up, you can do so at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, and Navarro Pharmacies, or get more information about Oleomed before you buy it, if you'd like, by calling their toll-free number, 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-O-L-E-O-M-E-D, and you can order it on their uh, website, too. Just go online and check out oleomedamerica.com. This and psychiatry brought us to this. I am with decrepit and I'm ancient. All over my old face are blue and reddish, purple face. I don't know why they hate me or why they always rape me. It must be because I got these blue and reddish, purple veins. On my arm, like a Rand McNally map, a lock of what? I got veins on my nose, nobody knows that under my clothes I wear pantyhose. But that don't mean that I'm gay. If you think my arms are bad, you ought to see my legs. I might as well keep them smooth and shaved to show a little glass the next time I'm raping it. I could go to a surgeon, but that gives me the shivers. I would not want to walk out looking like Joan Rivers. But where am I here? I fired the beast, the fat little freak. I did him a favor. Now he can't afford to eat. The reason I dismissed that stinking fat bastard is because he wouldn't shut up and he can't play canasta. Hey, somebody talking over there. Nobody talks when I rap. I rap, then you talk. Hey, look at me. I'm hip, hip. I ain't no square. I'm a ding-dong daddy, man. I'm really dead. I fire anyone I want. I don't care. Especially if they make me flip my wig made of smelly green hair. I got fired myself. It even happens to the greats. Westwood once said, you get out of here or else we break your legs. So now I sit by the pool. Life's as good as it gets. With my paladin cocktail, placing bets on the jets. In paradise. Paradise. I don't kiss nobody's ass in paradise. I'll be slipping down the spookins when I get the chance. But the cleaners aren't ready with my lime green pants. How long does it take? Guilty calling complaint. It was just a little thought. So what? I left this day. Think that's funny? Want a knuckle sandwich, buddy? I can do what I want, because the management loves me. Gonna tell you something, Mo? Something you ought to know. For the longest time, I wanted you to be my hoe. You ain't my type, pal. Now answer me. Hell no. What are you doing? I won't take no for an answer. Get out of here. Not you. Get out of here. Get up, bitch. Ten nineteen at five sixty WQAM. I didn't realize that you played the comb. Hey, I'm a proficient guy. Excellent job. Anyway, we got two hundred and five votes, and I just realized during that break that I left a category off of this poll today. Oh no. For the old Jews in Palm Beach who voted for Buchanan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should have had that on there. I voted for Buchanan, but I meant to vote for Gore. We probably have uh, several. Yeah, 
Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, why, why not? We have some of those people who might be listening. We remember we had those frantic calls on that oh, day, yeah. a couple of women oh, in Palm yeah. Beach County. Oh, I'm not really sure. I wanted to vote for Gore, but I think I might have voted for Buchanan. And uh, then come to find out, show enough. I wonder how many of those there were, actually. They ever actually, I don't think they uh, finally had a number. They'll never know. They'll never know. But I do remember one thing, my good uh, close personal friend Pat Buchanan, who's far less uh, to the right than he used to be, even though he's still, he's kind of like a uh, benign Nazi as opposed to the malignant Nazi he used to be. But anyway, remember he said he disavowed those votes, he didn't want them? Right. Because he knows that they weren't intended uh, for him? Mm -hmm. See, if it would have been the fair thing, uh, Catherine Harris would have, she would have jumped right in there. Oh, yeah. And said, okay, well, sure. let's give those over to Al Gore, because we know the old Jews in Palm Beach certainly weren't voting for Bush. Oh, and speaking of Catherine Harris, oh, this is hysterical. So last night, I guess I'll use this story next. Did I tell you, I guess I did tell you before the show that Barney uh, uh, Fag uh, yes. antagonist Dick Army? Yes. Was on uh, with Chris Matthews on Hardball? I like peace and quiet, and I don't need to listen to Barney Fag. Barney Frank ranging in my ear because I made a few bucks off a book I worked on. And, of course, the big uh, controversy, or this is in the Bradenton newspaper, by the way. What is the name of their paper? Bradenton uh, something. Because I saw it was on there. I don't even know what the name of the paper is. Well, Bradenton Herald. Oh, that's original. And you know something? I noticed the, it's owned by the Miami Herald. It must be owned by a Knight Ritter. Okay. Because it's got the same format, the uh, website, oh, okay. you know what I mean? Yes. Anyway, Army says he's anti-liberal. U.S. House Majority Leader Dick Armey is sticking to his guns despite complaints from national Jewish groups and fellow members of Congress after his comments riled local Jewish leaders. Oy. He said it, he meant it, and it's true, said Richard Diamond, spokesman for Army Republica, Republican of Texas, who's retiring, thank God. There's no stereotype, there's no characterization, and he made an anti-liberal comment surprise. But despite the congressman's attempts to dismiss the growing criticism, his comments at a recent roundtable forum in Sari Soda that liberal Jews have a shallow intellect while conservative Jews have deep intellect are appearing in media outlets as diverse as the London-based Financial Times and Capitol Hill's Congressional Quarterly, the L.A. Times, and CNN. How do you like that? I Diamond said Army was not making a statement about Jewish people in particular, but a statement about liberals in general, a subject that he's never shied away from. It was 100% liberals versus conservative, Diamond said. He's a friend of the Jewish community, but not to liberals. One of the things that they uh, were trying to defend last night is that Catherine Harris was in the audience. And she didn't say nothing. Okay. As if that should make a difference. I think it was on Preston Buchanan, and Bill Preston just went ballistic. He's, uh, so, in other words, the fact that she was in the audience, that makes a difference? That she would have, like, spoken up? Is she Jewish? No. No. Anyway, two of Army's colleagues aren't buying that explanation. A joint statement released by U.S. Representative Martin Frost, Democrat of Texas, and U.S. Representative Nita Lowy, Democrat of New York, both Jewish, announced Army's, uh, denounced Army's divisive remarks as breathtaking in their ignorance. We're certain we speak for people of every religious and ethnic background in condemning these disparaging comments about the millions of Jews and other Americans who happen to disagree with this right-wing ideology, the statement said. That right-wing son of a bitch, fanatical lunatic, who, by the way, is also opposed against this invasion of Iraq, the Anti-Defamation League has criticized Army, though the League stopped short of accusing him of being anti-Semitic. They just said he was anti-Semantic, I guess. The Fort Worth Star Now, that's the president's anti-Semantic. The National Jewish Democratic Council was less guarded in its response, saying Army defames Jewish people by calling them shallow. Army's stereotyping statements are ignorant, but much more importantly, they're divisive, said Ira Foreman, the Council's executive director. Army's office called the criticism transparent. 
They're just seizing on this. They weren't there. They're just picking up the newspaper and saw an opportunity to make an unsubstantiated slander against the biggest supporter of Israel in Congress time and said their only objective is to score political points. And, of course, this business about supporting Israel, just like that article you sent me in Mother Jones about the right wing, this is nothing new. This has been going on way back at the beginning when I was in WS News about 100 years ago when Jerry Falwell and that whole movement of these evangelical Christians were starting, and there was Barbara Studley, this right-wing phony bitch on there that they had propped up to run for political office, and every night on her pathetic show that preceded mine, I just love Israel, the Jewish people, I love my love. Anybody remember that? Oh, God. Huh? I bet you remember that, some of you longtime chronic listeners. Barbara Studley, the Jewish people, I love my love, I love Israel. Because they were planning to run her for office, and they were sucking up to the old Jews, which, thank the Lord, she never did wind up running for anything. Although she did some interesting things in that kitchen in that station, but nevertheless. Oh, Senator Hill. How Senator Hill? Just calm down, Barbara. Calm down. So that whole business about the right-wing Christians, you know, and their love for Israel, it's only for one reason. And that's because they can't wait for Armageddon. I mean, you know, if I tell you how much I love you, but it's only because I hope you're going to die pretty soon, that's probably <laughs> not a really, no, that's not a ringing endorsement. Crazy religionists who love Israel, and of course the Jews, a lot of the Jews, a lot of these Zionists, oh, well, you know, come on board, you know, and that's why they had that big love affair with Jerry Falwell and every other right-wing uh, goy that came down the pike, because, oh, they loved Israel. But the problem is they loved it for the wrong reason. Assholes. God, people are so freaking stupid, so shallow. They're as shallow as a goddamn wading pond. You know what I'm talking about? What are you talking about? I'm talking about people who, maybe the most intelligent thing that they could say would be <laughs> like that. If they could, like, blurt it out. Don't get yourself all worked up again, okay? Don't, like, go back into the past. The time is rolling along, you know. Just take those paychecks if and when they ever show up. If and when. Keep that in mind, Carlos. <clears throat> well, you know, you can, always, you can always, like, use the money if, like a fantasy thing in your mind, you know. <laughs> well, if I actually had that money, I could pay this bill. I could do that, yeah. Like Monopoly money. Right. Green stamps. Now, let's see. Let me take a look at this poll here. 17 to 7 is 10, minus uh, uh, 9. He's picked up 9 in the end of 9 Bush. Can you believe that? No. That is scary. So in other words, no matter what the hell I say on this show, no matter how many brilliant articles I read, how many brilliant comments any of us make, uh, forget about it. Don't confuse them with the facts. They're all goose-stepping, baby. Go into this war. We want to have this debate. We don't want to get it over with and off the agenda. So you're saying that for the uh, Democrats, this could be a political opportunity, the same thing that they're accusing the Republicans of doing, of using this war as a political They're all a bunch of political whores, honey. Uh, uh, get with it. God, is she stupid. What is her name, Darren Kagan? I don't know. 1026. I'm getting the digital cable in here so I can watch MSNBC. I'm getting that in this room, too, even though it costs me more money. Because I can't handle CNN. It's certainly not news. Is there anybody out there who's not playing at VIPSportsbook.com? Then get with it. A lot of ads are out there these days, but you need to do some research before you plunk down your hard-earned money at some unstable third-world sportsbook, like maybe in Georgia or somewhere. Let's help you out. VIPSportsbook.com is the only book that is unanimously endorsed by the industry watchdogs, unanimous meaning each and every one of them. They're Dutch-based, which means they're A-OK, -okay, and they smoke a lot of weed, and one of the first online sportsbooks, too. So if you want to go on a roll of a lifetime, you want to be with the best sports book going, and that's VIPSportsbook.com. The football season is in full swing. Patriots are going to kick the crap. Who the hell are they playing this weekend? Nobody knows. Who are the Patriots playing this weekend, Carlos? I'm going to find out for you. Dolphins are playing in Kansas City and going to get their ass beat, but who the hell are the Patriots playing? Anyway, the football season is in full swing. <clears throat> the Hurricanes are playing Edison High. 
So you need to be with the best sports book in the world, VIPsportsbook.com. Open an account online, get you a 15% cash sign-up bonus, too. And did I mention this time that they've got the highest parlay odds in the world up to 2001? And they do. So get over to VIPsportsbook.com, play in a book with class, call 866-VIP-BETS. Oh, San Diego, by the way. Thank you, San Diego. Just dawned on me. 866-VIP-BETS. So what are you waiting for? Go to VIPsportsbook.com and get that 15% cash bonus. Sign up right now. VIPsportsbook.com, where you be the VIP. Live and local. We are Sports Radio 560 QAM. You fudge packing? Good evening, my fellow Americans. I was not elected to serve your interests. Together we will address some of society's deepest problems. Vice President Gore and his family. I have something else to ask you, to ask every American. I ask for you to party. I know Americans want parties, and it will be a foundation of my administration. I'm optimistic that we can party, and I will give it my all. Thank you very much, and God bless America. Party. Yeah. Oh. 10.32 at 5.60, WQAM. Happy Thursday, too. we got the Mad Dog at 1, Hank at 3, Hank with Bino. 5 to 6. And then the Marlins stuff, Marlins at the Spos. Boy, it's, uh, sorry. And, any, and, and speaking of the Marlins, wow, I don't want to mention any names of people that have, like, painted their varicose veins white and green, allegedly. But, uh, wow, talk about turning. Talk about being a front-running phony. Ah, baseball blows, and nobody cares about them, and they suck, and blah, blah, it's all football. Man, aren't, isn't this the same guy that was going on hysterically about you don't want to lose your baseball team, and they got a wonderful, exciting young team, and everybody should go out there and support them, and we got to get some people involved in the blah, 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 blah. We're already 2,000 ahead of the uh, 1,500 we had last night. Brother. Pretty sad, if you ask me. But, what, you know, then again, what the hell do I know? You know what I'm saying? There's only one thing I know. Yo, 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 let's rate more. Anyway, moving right along. Suspected Al-Qaeda camp scene in Iran. In Iran. That's Iran. with an N? Right. Or as some of the politicians would say, Iran. U.S. intelligence has detected a suspected Al-Qaeda training camp in a remote area of eastern Iran along the border with Afghanistan, sources told NBC News. Overhead imagery shows what appears to be a training camp complete with a tourist obstacle course and a rifle range, much like those Al-Qaeda used in Afghanistan to train for assassinations. It's been reported previously that a number of al-Qaeda leaders has fled to eastern Iran, but this would be the first evidence that al-Qaeda was actually using Iran to resume terrorist training. Sources told NBC News that while Iran's civilian government may not know the training camp is there, Iran's military and intelligence certainly would. There was no word yesterday on possible U.S. efforts to deal with the suspected al-Qaeda camp. Iran's relationship with al-Qaeda appears to have been tenuous at best in the early 1990s, but by the late 90s it was filled with ill will and even included an attempted assassination by Iran of the Taliban's leader and al-Qaeda's protector, Mullah Mohammed Omar, in August 99. Mullah Bullah. Moreover, it's hard to determine how much, if any, official cooperation there's ever been between al-Qaeda and the Iranian government. Documents and testimony in the East Africa embassy bombing trials indicate that some in the Iranian government, among its clerics and the terrorist organization Hezbollah, have had contacts with high-ranking members of al-Qaeda, including at least one meeting involving Osama Imam bin Laden. However, U.S. officials said that while there had been contacts, they were believed to have been peripheral. There is also no evidence of any joint attacks, only some discussions and training, officials said. As to the possibility of an Iranian link to 9-11, a senior intelligence official said, we don't believe that there is no such evidence. And I guess what he meant was, just like there's no such evidence as there's any link with Iraq to the attacks of 9-11. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Thomas L. Friedman writes in the New York Times, this is from a couple of days ago, yesterday, as a matter of fact, dead end. Dead end. 
He says, I happened to be in Israel on September 11, 2001. On September 12, went to the Israeli Defense Ministry to talk to security experts there about what Israel had learned from dealing with the Palestinian suicide bombers that might help America. The main lesson, they said, was this. In the end, the only people who can effectively stop suicide bombers are those in the community they come from, only if their political and spiritual leaders delegitimize suicide bombing, only if their security forces and intelligence agencies are mobilized to prevent it can it really be stopped. Israel, they told me, could never penetrate Palestinian society the way Palestinians could. Therefore, the ultimate task for Israel was to find the right pressures and incentives to get the Palestinians themselves to stop the bombings. Unfortunately, that message doesn't seem to have reached Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, who I believe has never had a plan for how to reach a stable accommodation with the Palestinians, is only interested in making the West Bank safe for Israeli settlers to stay, not leave, and is going to lead Israel into a dead end if he sticks to his present course and will take America along for the ride. I have enormous sympathy for Israel's plight today. There's no society in the world that's ever been exposed to what Israel has over the past two years, repeated suicide bombings of its civilians in their buses, restaurants, and city centers, compounded by anti-Semitic attacks by Europeans who call for a severing of ties with Israeli universities when Israel retaliates. That's enough to make any civilized society crazy. But the Sharon response isn't working. Months ago, Mr. Sharon dismissed Yasser Amafart as uh, irrelevant, smashed his security services, and announced Israel's attention to assume responsibility for its own security in the West Bank. But when Palestinian suicide bombers from Hamas and Islamic Jihad then perpetrate more suicide bombings, Mr. Sharon attacks Mr. Arafat's headquarters as if he sent the bombers himself. If Mr. Sharon believes that Mr. Arafat sent these bombers, then he should evict them. If he thinks Mr. Arafat is irrelevant, then he should ignore him. But what makes no sense is to treat Mr. Arafat as if he's totally irrelevant and totally responsible, because all that does is get Palestinians to rally around the feckless Mr. Arafat and abort any possibility of Palestinians producing a new leadership that would be relevant to negotiations and to Israeli security. That's not his blunt call for Palestinians to dump Mr. Arafat, and thanks to Mr. Sharon's crackdown on Palestinians to prove that the foolish intifada they launched two years ago in the wake of President Clinton's peace overture will not pay, Israel and the U.S. had begun to sow the first seeds of inter internal Palestinian reform that were needed for them to rein in the suicide bombers. For the past months, a few Palestinian leaders and commentators have been speaking about what a mistake it was for Mr. Arafat to have turned down the Clinton plan for a Palestinian state. Palestinian legislators have voted no confidence in Mr. Arafat's cabinet and pushed forward more responsible alternatives, and secular Palestinians have begun openly questioning suicide bombing. All of these trends are bad news for Hamas, Islam, uh, Islamic Jihad, Iraq, and Iran. So they've been pushing out even more suicide bombers to trigger a Sharon reaction that would rally Palestinians around Mr. Arafat's failed leadership and abort the emergence of any new consensus Mr. Arafat is celebrating. Mr. Sharon has a tough job. He has to pursue a peace settlement with the Palestinians as if there were no terrorism and to hunt the terrorists as if no peace settlement were possible. That requires subtle distinctions. But Mr. Sharon's policy seems to be to ignore all distinctions between Hamas and Arafat and between Hamas and the secular Palestinian mainstream would like to see change. One has to wonder whether Mr. Sharon really is now to undermine the whole Palestinian national movement in hopes that one day some quizzling Palestinian authority simply surrenders to the Israeli occupation. He sure doesn't seem interested in nurturing a more responsible Palestinian authority to cede land to. If that's where Mr. Sharon is going, it will come to tears, and the Bush team, if it goes along for the ride, will be very sorry. Always remember, the leading Hebrew biography of Mr. Sharon is entitled, He Doesn't Stop at Red Lights. Cute. How do you like that? Pretty good column, huh? Pretty good. By Thomas Free. Well, then say all the things that you'd like. Yeah. Well, for example, in the first paragraph there, you missed one that said <laughs> that. How many votes we got on the poll? How many votes? 247. I voted for Buchanan, but I wanted to vote for Gore. Nobody. Well, nice going, Eric. He got that on there already. I forgot all about even saying that. All you all Jews up there in Palm Beach, they're not listening to this show, the old Jews in Palm Beach. Yeah, maybe one or two.
See, they're probably too embarrassed to admit this because they know that we're going to trace it. And we're going to come to their house and take away their sweet and low and their walker if we ever find where the hell they are. I mean, talk about stupid, man. Stupid. Don't be blaming that poor, uh, Mary, um, what the hell's her name, Teresa Lepore. Don't be blaming that stupid bitch. She can't help it. It was her fault. I voted for Nader, but I'd vote for Bush, too. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Gore, too. So that's a wash. I don't I don't believe that. I'd vote the same for Nader, five. Oh, oh. And you notice how prominent he is these days, how he's really speaking out. No. Not on anything. Not just about invading Iraq, but about the economy, about every other goddamn thing that's going on. Where the hell is he? And now that his buddy Donahue's on there every goddamn night on MSNBC, do we see Ralph Nader? No. No, because no, they need some numbers, and they realize nobody wants to see him. But called stubborn is what it's called. I voted for Bush, but now I'd vote for Gore 8. I voted for Gore, but now I'd vote for Bush 19. 19. So he's picked up 11 votes. I didn't vote in 2027. I'd vote the same for Bush 45. I'd vote the same for Gore 139. So Bush is pulling away, okay? Now, is that because he's more popular now because of this war thing and because of people feeling sorry and 9-11 and everything like that? Or is that because Gore is such a piece of crap? That one. Huh? The second one. Wow. Saddam Hussein is not a threat to, um, seriously, the fact that Boca Bryan sent me that, uh, that transcript the other day, that, that was enough to make me scream. Do, 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 do. I mean, don't do that again. How many trees did they have to chop down? And it was long, too. It was like pages and pages and pages. It was like lapped in there with these, uh, covers for his new CD that he's coming out with, Boca Bryan. In fact, you know, if we don't call it Mo Bits, we should, could always call it, do, 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 do. call it that. But the one where uh, Bushmeister is kissing Condoleezza. She's got that same look on her face that uh, Chelsea had on her face the other day. Remember that picture? They oh, were yeah. all bent out of shape about I saved it. Not, that you know, much ado that about look nothing. of arousal. In fact, you can imagine where he's got his hand now to get yeah. a, to elicit a look on her face like that. Think he's cupping one? <laughs> I'm not, not so sure it's a breast. Hey, they say she's got big balls. Condoleezza. He stays of the situation. You have to have big balls to work for Chevron. 1041 at 560 WQM. Let's, let's forget about all this, okay? And the way the world is right now, with all the kind of crazy stuff they're trying to unload on us, you need a good night's sleep. Then you wake up in the morning feeling refreshed. You know, actually this morning I woke up and I just hopped right out of bed. The alarm went off and I just hopped right out. So maybe my mattress is making a comeback. Or maybe psychologically I was thinking about getting back home and sleeping on a great mattress I got from Dial a Mattress. For many years now I've been sleeping on mattresses from Dial a Mattress, which is why I'm in such good shape. No, seriously, you wake up in the morning feel refreshed. Because if you don't have a good mattress, your back is crappy and cranky and you feel like garbage all day long. So if the old mattress has had it, get you the great new mattress you're looking for, the easy, the inexpensive way, by making one easy phone call. 1-800-MATTRESS, just that one call. Don't leave the house. Don't go running around. Don't go comparison shopping. It's a waste of time. they got the best mattresses in the world. Serta, Sealy, Simmons, and King Coil. And as far as delivery is concerned, unbeatable. Within a couple of hours after you call, they can be there knocking on your door or any two-hour window that's convenient for you any day, seven days a week when you're going to be home. And they also give you that unbeatable 30-day in-home comfort trial to try the new mattress out. And they give you exceptionally low everyday prices. And they don't give you the old bait-and-swish either. In other words, exactly the mattress you're looking for in the brand name. They got it for you, ready for immediate delivery. So if you want to get your back into great shape, call Dollar Mattress right now. You'll be sleeping in real comfort right away. Call 1-800-MATTRESS. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on that wicked World Wide Web if you like. It's easy. Just go to a mattress.com. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. U-A-M. We're number one, damn it! There's an old saying that says, fool me once, 
Shame on you. Can't get fooled again. Last time we were in Iraq, I guess we failed. How's that saying go, Georgie? What is it again? Seems the more we uh, snooped, the less we found. Fool me once, uh... Hiding all his nuclear... Capabilities. Disappointing our inspection teams. Cause we got a face that he's a deceiver. There won't be a trace if we go back this time. We're out of luck. Cause he's a deceiver. There won't be a damn thing we'll ever find. He thinks we are more or less idiots. Thinking he can hide the stuff he's got. What's the use of searching? What do we got to gain? Don't you know you can't try Saddam Hussein? Cause we got a face that he's a deceiver. There won't be a trace if we go back this time. We're out of luck. Cause he's a deceiver, there won't be a damn thing we'll ever find. You were right about this poll, by the way. They're in high gear now. They're like moving off into the sunset with the phony votes. Anyway, somebody had faxed me this yesterday from that, uh, what's that website about Bush uh, is a schmuck.com or whatever that is? <laughs> I don't know. I got to hear but, something. Uh, some of his 8 million uh, misstatements. There's an old saying in Tennessee. Now, when was this? September 17th, uh, 10 p.m. on MSNBC. Uh, Bush says, there's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's uh, in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, <laughs> he can't even figure out what he's talking about, that says, fool me once, three-second pause, shame on, four-second pause, shame on you, six-second pause. Fool me, can't get fooled again. <laughs> oh! Now, what was it again, the beginning of that bit? There's an old saying that says, fool me once, shame on you. Can't get fooled again. See what I'm saying? Yes. Shocking. Idiot. 1048, then you call our president an idiot? Yes. Well, you are... Absolutely correct, sir. Hey, our Dutch friend faxed me this morning, as you noticed, because he's out of control now. Goedemorgen. Damas in Haddon. We don't have any uh, women. We don't have no damas. Damn it. New York City, I already had this story. Thank you very much. So he sent me the uh, Dutch version because he was afraid that somebody might intercept the facts before it would get to me and he knew that you didn't understand no Dutch. Why, why are people paranoid? Why, why would you intercept this story? I have like no that? idea. You don't intercept anything unless it's like from one of the chronics and you just know I don't want to see it. And I do a bad job at that. Do a terrible job of that, especially that little uh, retard with a little squiggly. Why are you picking on Mo? And why are you doing it? You know, and then after you read like four words, you see the writing and you throw it in a wastebasket. Every single uh, day that I've been on this radio station, over five years now, this uh, Quisling has been sitting there with his hand way inside his... Rectum. ...listening. You know, because what you discover is, I've told you this before, the people who uh, find you the most offensive but also find you the most uh, fascinating, they just can't leave. I mean, they're always going to be there. They couldn't leave for love or money. Sex has a new home in New York City. The porn shops and peep shows of Times Squares may be gone, but they will not be forgotten, courtesy of the Museum of Sex an adults-only institution dedicated to chronicling some of the most basic urges known to man and woman. Four years in the conception, 
The Highbrow Museum among the low-rise office buildings on 5th Avenue and 27th Street opens to the public Saturday with its debut exhibition, New York City Sex, How New York City Transformed Sex in America. Part historical, part educational, part entertaining, and certainly part titillating. Say that fast, titillating. The museum offers a journey through the sexual landscape of the city starting from the mid-19th century via photographs, posters, art, objects, documents, film, and cartoons ranging from the benign to X-rated graphics. Oi! That, that story about the hotels, about those right-wing uh, goyim and the hotels uh, with the porno movies yesterday. Right. I, I, it's just, you know, the fact that the public out there just uh, thinks that this is the way the whole world is. I mean, here we are talking about how backward they were in Afghanistan. For the good of all nations. And uh, and look what we're doing. Why a museum of sex? Executive Director Daniel Gluck said the absence of one screamed out at him. Last When you were in New York, didn't it scream at you? <laughs> it's not like it's been a lifelong dream to open a museum of sex. It just struck me, Gluck said at Wednesday's press preview. The gallery was in a state of virtual undress with only a third of the exhibition available for viewing. It's like if there was no museum of modern art, I said, why isn't there a museum of sex? It's just as important as that. You must be at least 18 years old to plunk down the $17 admission price for the museum, which might become a dating destination with its closing time of 9 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. The museum takes itself and subject very seriously. The curator, Grady Turner, was formerly director of exhibitions at the New York Historical Society, where his tenure included, without sanctuary, lynching photography in America among the museum's best-attended exhibitions. Oh, we got to see that. The museum's board of historian advisors, numbers 14, most of whom are college academics, the surprising thing is that this is the first serious museum of sex to open in the U.S., said Dr. June Reinsich, Reinisch, former director of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University and a senior advisor to the museum. It says a lot about America. America is still conservative sexually, she says. You see them in Hamburg, Copenhagen, Paris, Amsterdam, in Spain. Japan has got one. Even Shanghai has got a sex museum. Then, of course, they have the Museum of Torture, the SNS Museum in Amsterdam as well. Yeah, how is it? about QAM. I got some long pieces here today, okay, and I don't apologize up front, even though I may evidently be making no impact. All of these qu crank votes, you're not fooling anybody anymore, okay? It just, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. John Prado. Now, this is from the American Prospect, which you can find online, www.prospect.org. Don't ask, don't tell. The Bush administration is playing politics with the investigation of the 9-11 intelligence failures and standing in the way of full accounting, writes John Prados. Joint hearings on the intelligence failures that preceded 9-11 took place in Washington last week, only to be conveniently upstaged by the Bush administration's demand for a resolution of congressional approval for war against Iraq. As a result, the real significance of what did and did not happen in the post-9-11 investigation threatens to become lost in the cacophony of the Iraq debate. Adding to the frustrations of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the Iraqi war issue is sure to pull members into their more political roles and cut into the time already limited available for their investigation of the most serious lapse of intelligence in recent memory. Though sidetracking or stalling the intelligence investigation has been an administration aim, and though Bush officials seem to have succeeded in the short run, late last week the White House suddenly abandoned its formerly staunch opposition to an inquiry by a commission independent of the intelligence committees. What happened here is an important indicator of both the real aims of the Bush administration and the strength of the political forces at work in this matter. Impaneled in late 2001, the joint inquiry was charged with making a full investigation into the response of the U.S. government, including that of the intelligence community, to international terrorism. The original three choices had been for this inquiry to be undertaken either by standing committees of Congress, a special investigating committee, or an independent commission. The Bush administration initially opposed all alternatives, calling them a distraction from the war on terrorism, but eventually promising to cooperate with the joint inquiry. 
The Intelligence Committees began their investigation in February and initially anticipated public hearings beginning in April. That date later slipped to June and then to September. Part of the reason was disarray within the Joint Committee, but part was the massive undigested data it was given. Authorities took credit for handing over some 200,000 documents. Staff Director Elbert Snyder, a former CIA Inspector General, was obliged to resign April 26th when it emerged that he had been slow to inform superiors that another former CIA officer hired for the staff was under investigation for failing a polygraph test for his agency security clearance. Successor Eleanor Hill certainly needed time to get the investigators on track, but the difficulties with the 9-11 inquiry are by no means of the committee's making. The 23 staffers have conducted almost 200 interviews and collected 30,000 documents on their own by May. For George W., the real danger in the investigation had always been that it might reveal that his administration's approach to terrorism had been lackadaisical prior to the attacks on New York and Washington. Arguably, this was the true reason for his initial opposition to an inquiry or independent commission. It was certainly the reason for the defensiveness of the National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice and others when it was revealed in mid-May that Bush actually had received a CIA briefing on Osama bin Laden's methods, including his interest in using aircraft, months ahead of the attacks. Vice President Cheney's harsh criticism of the committee in June after news broke that the NSA had intercepted messages indicating imminent action immediately prior to the attacks, information the White House had itself had mentioned, although in lesser detail, only days after the attacks, had the political effect of undercutting the credibility of the inquiry. The FBI investigation of the leak, to which committee chairman agreed, became an important roadblock to the investigative progress that the committee's time was soaked up responding to FBI inquisitors, a practical setback that was made worse by the chilling effect of allowing the FBI, the agency the committee was investigating, to turn the tables and investigate the committee. Meanwhile, the administration declined to offer data about the provision of terrorism intelligence to Bush and the declassification process that preceded last week's open hearings refused to release material indicating presidential awareness even where the substance of the documents was known or being declassified. Moving into the hearings, the White House refused to permit open testimony by any intelligence agency chief or by the Secretaries of State or Defense. Instead, the public was treated to Deputy Defense Secretary Paul Wolfowitz using the intelligence inquiry as a platform for advocating a war with Iraq. Apart from a few mid-level intelligence analysts and FBI special agents who testified on the specifics of individual terrorists slipping undetected into the U.S., the administration has provided no commentary on the role of U.S. intelligence in informing the president on terrorism. In a recent interview with the New York Times, Joint Committee co-chairman Senator Bob Graham of Florida remarked, we were told that there would be cooperation in this investigation, and I question that. I think that most of the information our staff has been able to get is that is real meaningful has had to be extracted piece by piece. Similarly, the Senate Intelligence Committee's vice chairman, Alabama Republican Richard Shelby, asked on NBC television, are we getting the cooperation we need? Shelby answered his own question, absolutely not, he said. On September 18th, the first day of the Joint Committee's open hearings, Hill presented the investigative staff's report on intelligence before 9-11. Buried in the report is the statement that a review of information reported to top U.S. officials in the so-called senior executive intelligence brief shows that terrorism information appeared quite frequently. The brief showed that coverage of bin Laden specifically rose during the spring and summer of 2001, peaking in June when Islamic extremists were, referred, were referenced in 18 of 298 such articles. This type of report is a lesser version of the government's top intelligence product, the President's Daily Briefs. Though the Joint Committee investigators reported nothing about the intelligence given to Bush, the clear inference to be drawn here is that the record is much more extensive than previously understood. Put it on pause, okay? We've got to do the break. Okay. Like I said, there's some lengthy bedtime stories today, and I'm going to read them whether that one asshole likes it or not, okay? Stick it, baby. Stick it bedtime stories, my big, fat, old Jewish ass. 1057 at 560 WQM. You want some great shoes? Brandy Shoes has been doing it right by people for a long time. That's why 
They're still one of those places that are like an institution in that same location they've been for about 400 years. Brandy Shoes, you'll find them at 1290 North Federal Highway in Pompano Beach, and they only carry the top names in a business. They've got Rockports, SAS, Sperry's, Timberland Naturalizers, and lots more. They know your feet inside and out, and they give you the lowest prices anywhere, which, of course, is what most good shoppers are concerned about. They want, you know, quality. They want selection, but they want low prices. They want to save some cash, and at Brandy's, you always do that. Brandy's is open daily, 9 till 9, Sundays 10 till 5. And like I said, they're in that same great location. You've been knowing and loving them for your whole lifetime, 1290 North Federal Highway in prestigious Pompano Beach. And don't forget that final summer clearance sale closeouts right now at Brandy's. It's still going on. Save up to 73% on famous brands right now for a limited time only at Brandy's Shoes in Pompano Beach. Live and local, this is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Being very difficult with me this morning. I just can't stop pooping. My butt is really sore. I don't know what I've eaten. Oh, God, here comes some more. My bathroom's all because of my doo-doo. I wouldn't go in there if I was you. I'm praying there because it smells to you. A stinky bowel movement just for you. Oh, you know that skull that they found in Virginia? Yes. And now they're saying the remains probably were not like little Jennifer, uh, what the hell was her name? Smart, short? Right. Whatever her name was. Probably not her. But they're not positive. They're still like, uh, they're trying to find the crossbones to go with it. Anyway, getting back to this article here. Who wrote this? Uh, John Prados in the American Prospect. Not much more. He says, the record of what Bush knew goes directly to the issue of accountability for 9-11. The president's most substantive action in the months before the attacks, taken on May 8, 2001, was to announce creation of an office for preparedness within the Federal Emergency Management Administration, an agency whose budget was cut uh, to be cut under then-existent administration budget proposals. A policy review of covert action against bin Laden had been completed by April, but stalled within the NSC, the National Security Council, and wasn't turned into a plan until after a White House policy directive signed in August 2001 by Condoleezza, not by Bush himself. The president was directly responsible for the operation of the NSC and its staff, which delayed moving the covert action program for council discussion from June until September, despite all the intelligence and quite apart from the failures to apprehend the terrorists positioning themselves for the events of 9-11. Both Cheney and Rice have declared that the president's daily briefs cannot see the light of day because declassification will reveal intelligence sources and methods. Cheney also maintains that such documents have not been released in the past and seems concerned that a poor precedent would be set now. Both arguments are specious. The documents are products of analysis, not operational reports, and statements regarding sources can be easily deleted in the declassification process. As for the act of declassification, a number of briefs as well as the predecessors of these documents, which were called President's Intelligence Checklist, have long been on the public record. These arguments are really about shielding Bush from the revelation of information that would raise questions of performance and accountability. The zeal with which the effort to protect Bush has continued in turn raises the specter of the arrogance of power. Which brings us full circle to the question of an independent commission of inquiry into 9-11. The House of Representatives has already passed legislation to create such a commission, and similar legislation is being championed in the Senate by Jew Lieberman and Majority Leader Tom Daschle. As recently as September 18th, however, White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer declared the President will wait for a completion of the committee investigation. Then, said Fleischer, we'll take a look at talking to Congress about whether or not there's anything additional will, uh, that goes to broader areas if necessary. 
But very quickly, both Senators Graham and Shelby were on record arguing that an independent commission is necessary, and they were soon joined by both other legislators and representatives of the families of victims of 9-11. Late last week, the White House abandoned its long opposition to a commission crediting the families for Bush's change of heart. The more likely explanation is twofold, that the White House doesn't want to be on the losing end of a legislative fight and that it now believes the congressional investigation cannot be kept under control. It's instructive that Nicholas E. Callio, White House Legislative Counsel, writing on September 20th to offer the president strong support for a commission, saw its function as an examination of border security, aviation, visas, and state and local security issues. Fleischer's comment was that a commission inquiry could involve some, some level of intelligence, but not in the deep boring in that the intelligence committees did. Translated, this means that Bush will support an inquiry loaded down with so many issues it'll hardly be able to get into intelligence or the president's accountability. It should be added to the White House would be grateful for an inquiry that's got no subpoena powers as well. The arrogance of power is growing. What did not happen in the hearings of the Joint Intelligence Committees was a proper examination of the executives, and in particular the president's role, in failing to come to grips with the forces that triggered the attacks of 9-11. And what has happened since 9-11 has been an orchestrated effort to avoid answering such questions at all. <coughs> Yeah. Scientists, you, you faxed me a thing about this earlier, <clears throat> about stem cell research. Yes. And I said I had the story, which I do. Another, another reason <clears throat> why this poll over here is so bogus, unless people are dumber than we thought they were, getting sucked in by the anti-human bushies. Advances in medical research are being hindered by federal rules governing the use of embryonic cell systems, scientists told a Senate panel yesterday. Many researchers believe these cells, cells could hold the key to solving such diverse maladies as Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, spinal cord injuries, and diabetes. However, President Bush, citing ethical concerns, restricted federal funding for research on embryonic stem cells to 78 already existing cell lines. Gaining access to those limited cell lines has been inordinately difficult. Several researchers complained, citing cost, problems negotiating agreements with the cell's owners, and restrictions imposed by governments of foreign countries where many of the cells are located. Responding to the complaints, Dr. Elias Zerhouni, director of the National Institute of Health, said his agency is diligently working with as many sources as we can to make more cell lines available. Stem cells <clears throat> form very early in an embryo's development and later differentiate in numerous types of cells to form various organs and other parts of the body. Researchers hope to use these cells to repair damaged organs and cure disease, but the five-day-old embryo dies when the cells are removed, and opponents argue this is wrong. Dr. George Daly of the White Hand Institute at MIT said far fewer lines are available than the 78 cited by the Bush administration, perhaps only a handful, he said. The existing restrictions are keeping advances from being realized, Daly told the Senate Appropriations Subcommittee on Labor, Health, and Human Services yesterday. Dr. Kurt Sivet of Johns Hopkins University told of months of negotiations with the owners of cell lines in India, only to have the Indian government step in and ban export of the cells. More than a year after the decision to allow research, I have yet to receive my first cell line, Sivan said. Daly and Sivan urged the NIH to establish a central facility to collect and distribute the cell lines to researchers. Roger Peterson of Cambridge University in England said the lack of federal support for research on human embryos has undoubtedly delayed the benefits of research to infertile patients and patients with degenerative diseases. Peterson noted that he worked for 30 years at the University of California, San Francisco, but moved to England because the government there encourages stem cell research. Senator Arlen Specter of Pennsylvania, who said it may be time to consider legislation to ease the research, asked Peterson if other American scientists were likely to leave the country to continue their work. We are working diligently to recruit them, he said. While Zerhouni said his agency is trying to make more cells available to researchers, he contended the research is really at an early stage. Research in the past year has shown that embryonic stem cells might someday be used to treat Parkinson's disease, heart disease, and type 1 diabetes, Zerhouni said. 
These findings are important, but I continue to emphasize we're at a very early stage. Much more basic research needs to be done, he said. He said he's named a task force headed by Dr. James Batty of the National Institute on Deafness to review the current state of stem cell science and make recommendations for its future direction. California State Senator Deborah Ortiz told her panel her state has enacted a law that overrides the federal rules. Uh-oh, there goes California again. Messing with the federal government. And provides, provides state support for new embryonic stem cell lines. Federal money can only be used for these 78 eligible cell lines. The California law would allow scientists to start new cell lines for their research. We simply ask Congress to respect California's will, she told the subcommittee. Asked if the California law would lead to problems for researchers there as far as federally funded programs, or Zerhuni said no. He said they can do both federally and state-funded research together as long as they account for the federal money to be sure it's spent only on work involving eligible cell lines. Those mostly fictitious 78, most of which were mixed with mouse cells in the first place, so they're, right. generally, they're totally Tinker. useless. Corrupt. Yeah, with tinkerers. <laughs> and that's all we need is to start using, no, really, embryonic cells to make a lot more than damn Irish tinkerers. We asked on our poll today on neilrogers.com if you had a chance to recast your 2,000 vote for president today, now, who, what would you do? I vote the same for Gore, 172. I vote the same for Bush, 61. I didn't vote in 2000. 34. Oh, this is out of 319. 34. And now it's changing again. It's still 34. Uh, I voted for Gore, but now I vote for Bush, 31. It's totally bogus. I voted for Bush, but now I vote for Gore, 9. I vote the same for Nader, uh, six. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Gore, four. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Bush, three. I voted for Buchanan, but I wanted to vote for Gore. None of them yet. Well, first of all, those old farts, they don't have computers. No. What the hell am I thinking about? Am I, am I thinking? No. Am I thinking clearly? No. Excuse me, what I meant to say was, no, 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 no. was that. See, those old farts, they don't have no computers, so there's no way to get through to them. Damn it. Because I bet you it'd be like 600, wouldn't you think? At least. Mm-hmm. In fact, put 650. Put an extra ones in there to, to offset these bogus ones that we're going to get coming in here today. 11 past 11. We got the Mad Dog at one, Hank Goldberg at three, with that Beano Cook thing at five, because it kills a really good hour, butchers it up. Marlin stuff 6:30 to uh, whenever the game is over. Eddie K after the Marlins and Joe and Mark the Dirty Boys overnight. I guess we better do the break. Huh? Yes, we should. Well, if we're going to do the break, I guess I better reach back here and get the copy. Where the hell is that copy? Oh, no. <clears throat> you know, I could get started real easily, but I won't. Oh, come on. How's Skippy doing, by the way? He's fine. What do, what do you mean he's fine? He's smooth and chunky. Yeah. Chucky? I thought it was Skippy. He is a real piece of... He's the kind of stuff you try not to step on in Amsterdam, is what he is, Skippy. Oh, gee, he's picking on me. What did, I, what did I do? Nothing. That's exactly it, Skippy. You're doing nothing. Remember, he was. I came in that one day, and he made that big announcement. I'm going to get you a new copy for the Emerald Coast. How many weeks ago? And that, that's when I was there. What was that, about seven years ago that I was there? Uh-huh. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, of course. Did he get me a new copy? No. No. I, and that's, that, of course, is only one. Here's another guy that walks in off the street, a punk. He's about 10 years old, weighs about 14 pounds, soaking wet. IQ of a uh, parakeet, and he inherits all these accounts that Brian Schmutz, with his hard work, went out there and, and sold. And, and, and uh, you know, hey, with your busy lifestyle, you need all the energy you can to feel healthy, and oleomet is the answer for you. 
All you Med just pops them in your puss, contains all kinds of good stuff, olive oil and vitamins and minerals and herbals, and they make a separate product to promote a separate party or a, a, a thing. You know what I'm saying? In other words, they got one specifically designed to help your heart. There's one to lower your blood pressure, one to lower your cholesterol, and one to help your prostate. All in a little soft gel capsule that you just pop regularly in your puss. They also make a product to help your circulatory system, your digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones, and even your mind, all using the benefits of the best olive oil you'll find on the planet, and Oleomed makes products for men and ladies as well. It's an exciting new product. If you want to get more info, just call their toll-free number at 1-866-OLEOMED, 1-866-OLEOMED, and you can pick some up at the stores all over South Florida, too, if you want it right away. Call Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, Navarro Pharmacies, and I guarantee you they got it waiting for you. And you can also order OLEOMED on their website, too, if you like, at oleomedamerica.com. When you call that toll-free number, tell them Skippy is an asshole. Live and local, this is 560. The radio's all yours now. QAM. Got out, W-Q-A-L, where the faggot is. This is Larry King. America was shocked by the video of Madeline Too Good, the woman beating the daylights out of a kid in the parking lot. Madeline ain't too good not to join me tonight. So what would you do? Beat your kid? Yes, that was me. And that was in uh, St. Joseph County? I believe so, yes. Is that where they make uh, the aspirin? I don't know. Well, the camera loves you. You're a star. Yes. If I had known the camera was on me, I would have done my hair better. That uh, didn't work out too good. Huh? Well, I am a media celebrity now. The White House sent me a brand new car for providing a really great subversion story. A new car? Yes. What kind? A Ford Focus? Oh, that's nice. Plenty of room in the back to beat your kids. You beat your kids, Larry? Who, me? Which marriage? I don't know. When they were young, I was at the track most of the time. I don't like the way you laugh. Why? Don't I laugh too good? I, I don't think it's funny. Now stop it. I, I just can't stand your laugh. No. I, I said I will stop, not do it. That. stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Right now. I don't want to hear your stupid laugh. I'm going to pull you Don't pull the Eleven eighteen at 560 WQAM. Happy Thursday to you. Here's a fax from Chris who says, This week I tuned into the Jeff DeForest Show. Jeff was out of town and filling in for him this week with something called the Pauly Man. Oi! How can he be on vacation? Doesn't everyone need vacation? Well, yeah, I guess, but I mean, what is it? It's uh, the middle of the end of September? Right. When did he go back on the air? Months ago. Not that many months ago. Two like... and a half. <laughs> Does a radio station really pay money for anybody to get on the air and talk? Oh, the Pauly Man. I'm sure he's got some kind of a good deal going over there. The Pauly Man. Did he belong on the air? No. No. And then, you know, another thing, now that I'm starting to build up the case in my mind against Depot to justify the fact that he got screwed over real bad, is uh, we wouldn't hold the, the Burger King, I mean, the uh, Dunkin' Donuts thing with the short stack. That was bad enough. But yeah. then, you remember who he handed the keys uh, to the Kingdom to? See, he was always like, uh, see, this is the problem, shifty, Depot. He always had these little things uh, working, which is why when he opened up his wallet, he had 85 different paychecks in there from 85 different uh, jobs. Yeah. And so then, of course, we had uh, Scott and Ira. Remember he invented that whole deal? Right. Who were here this morning, by the way? Were they really? Yes, they well, were. I didn't get any. No. Me either. Well, screw them. Happy circus, Scott. Uh, I mean, Ira. 
Yeah, he's the one that uh, encouraged them to kind of come in and like uh, take over the place. That's what Scott thought. He kind of thought that. And oh, I mean, we could we could spend the whole next the rest of this hour on that story about the fact that these guys came waltzing in there and Defoe kind of like, oh yeah, here you go, bring us in some sandwiches and you can we'll give you like a five hour commercial. We'll have one hour spillover on the Neil show. Remember that? And yeah. then when we finally said, because of the fact that there were other people who were like buying spots, you know, like food type people. And we finally said, well, you know, maybe if you'd spend some money on the show, maybe then uh, we wouldn't be so offended uh, and tell you to take your sandwiches and stuff them, you know? Although they do stuff mm, them pretty well. Stuffed sandwiches. With good stuff. But at any rate, oh, I do like stuffed sandwiches. Remember Vito's? You mentioned that the other day. Yeah. You said that stuffed pizza? That's good. Mm. Nice baked See, I'm starting to get hungry again. Now, this is bad. I was The farthest thing from my mind was food. And again, you're planting the seed. In fact, let's blame Chris the Faxer for it because he's the one that was talking about the poly man. And then I got off on this default thing. Also, it says here, does QMP uh, Bino Cook do the Hank Show? I have no idea. Wouldn't surprise me. Probably. They probably pay all of these, like Lee Corso. They probably pay him a few bucks to do a Mo Show every week. I, I would think so. I know they pay the jocks. All those jocks that come in here, those Dolphin players and et cetera, they get paid. They of course, do. they have to wait. They have to wait like about three, four years oh. to get the cash. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to the thing with Defoe and uh, Ira and Scott. I mean, we like Ira. Let's set him off to the side, okay? Because he's kind of a goofy guy in the first place, but he's a good guy. But Scott is a regular pain in the ass. I had I had actually blocked out of my mind all of that stuff about everything good, everything good, Alice Hood. You know that that remember that business? Sure. You know, just bring the food and put the tray down and get out of here, Scott. Okay, oh, we he, appreciate he it. Loves you. He wants to chum up. No, we don't want to chum up. We don't mind giving you a nice plug once in a while. And so what they did is uh, there was some holiday there. I forget which one it was. And they bought about two spots. Remember, and that was supposed to pacify us? They bought two spots. I think it was a uh, Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, something like that. Oh, get your Super Bowl party platter from Atlanta City Subs in Hollywood. And they got great stuff. I'm not putting them down, okay? They have great stuff, and I was a good guy. But Scott, I mean, Scott, is just something about him. Maybe it's because he's an asshole. That might be it that disturbs me a little bit. Just a little bit too pushy, you know, that kind of stereotypical Jewy uh, New York pushy thing, you know? No, I don't know. Plus, he's an asshole. That could be part of it, too. I don't know. So anyway, that's the Defoe story. We wish him all the best in the world. I'm glad he's on vacation. I hope him and his uh, Debbie, I hope that uh, they earn their thing out. Boy, that's one of the strangest relationships, you know? Yeah, I can't talk. Well, no, 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 seriously. I mean, uh, yeah. it's they're strange. like on again and off again and off again and on again, and they have like one of those <laughs> sessions. <laughs> Whatever. Good luck to you, Defoe. Okay, you'll need it. That's what happens when you work for Greg Reed. Sooner or later, everybody gets it up the old. Rectum. Sooner or later, you know, just like poor George sitting there, minding his own business, reading other people's email. I mean, just minding his own business. And here we had a fight for two months to keep his goddamn job. And then you think after that, after I fight like crazy, he'd throw us at least, throw us a good number there in the summer book. Did he do it? No. He gave I us crap. Gave Sorry. us squat. Left us holding the sack. It's not bad enough we had to follow a show that owes points there in the morning. I mean, get serious. Yo, yo, yo. It just owes points. Now, you did okay. Weak, but okay. Weak. A rabbit-eared sex toy has been recalled by Ann Summers out of concern it would cause injury to an unsuspecting user. The British lingerie and sex toy said a chain said a batch of about 150,000 of the top-selling rampant rabbit vibrators were found to have defective seals that might allow the spillage of tiny beads contained in the shaft. Oh, that would be uncomfortable if you had tiny beads in your shaft. You know that? You said batch. 
the firm warned a newspaper. I said, what? It says it in this story. It said a batch of 150,000. Don't start with your Ron and Ron sophomore crap, Ron okay? That's what killed us that in the word. summertime. I don't care who invented it. It blows. The firm warned in a newspaper ad today on its website it was recalling those vibrators sold between May and September of this year in the interest of public safety. It's a precaution. The chances of anything going wrong is actually minuscule, and summer spokeswoman Rebecca Franklin told Reuters. She said the company checked its stocks after a customer wrote to say she was unhappy with the quality of the 7-inch device, which contains pearly colored beads and is topped with two attachments resembling rabbit ears. The rampant rabbit has been flying off store shelves since the character praised it on the hit U.S. TV series, Sex and the City. You watch that show? Yes. You do? Yes, I do. Hmm. It's good most of the time, not all of the time. And they show I see. They show well, you have your time. rampant rabbit ears or what? No, I have a different model. I'll call up Erin Summers. Maybe she's got one for you. Happy Maybe she's honey got bears. some honey bears. Oh, God. But don't forget what Steve Nichols said. She's got a great Rectum. ass. Hey, I got a message for our ex-program director, Steve Nichols. <laughs> Back to you, Steve. <laughs> Back to you. Anyway, getting back to some uh, important stuff. I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> I don't want to start one and then interrupt myself again. Bedtime stories interrupt us. I don't want to do that. No, that's not good. We want continuity. Yeah, we want a little continuity here. And I got some long crap. Maybe I can find a short one. A short no, stack? No, not that. Not a short that. Batch. I, I don't have to look far to find a short one. Archbishop offers his resignation. This is short and sweet, and it has nothing to do with anything because it's in Buenos Aires where uh, the men are men and so are the women, or is it the other way around? An Argentine, or that's uh, that's not that's in Brazil, right? Right. Not Argentina. Argentina, they're macho there, aren't they? No. Bunch of macho men. Right. An Argentine archbishop offered his resignation to the Vatican yesterday, following accusations that he sexually abused members of his seminary, church officials be saying. News reports published in August accused Archbishop Edgardo Storni, 66, of sexually abusing at least 47 men at a seminary located in Santa Fe, 310 miles northeast of Buenos Aires. That's not Santa Fe, New Mexico. Storni has been the bishop, Archbishop there since 1984. In fact, most of our audience probably don't even know that Santa Fe is in New Mexico, so why do I have to do the disclaimer? In a prepared statement read to journalist, Storni said that my renunciation in no way signifies guilt on my part, nor does it mean I accept the allegations, God is my judge, he said. No, God. Is his judge, and I find him guilty. Seminary officials said the Vatican will decide whether to accept Storni's resignation. Probably uh, they'll have to wait and deliberate because it's bad for business, you know? Oh, yeah. Bad for business. Don't look too good. Although they don't have to worry because the media, they're doing a wonderful job of just just sucking right up to the bushies and doing a great job of, uh, other than a few shows on the air, like, uh, like what's his name, Bill Preston Buchanan. I never thought this day would come that I'd actually be praising Pat Buchanan. Performs. They move swiftly. The Senate has it, and they need to act as well. It's good for American workers. Yeah. You're, you're bad for American workers, okay, George? You're bad. You and your whole family, you're bad, bad, bad on your oil buddies and those Saudis. That's what we ought to be doing is bombing the Saudis. Oh! God damn it. 1127 at 560 WQM. Almost did the wrong spot. Don't do that. I wouldn't want to do that. And of course, in this, does it really make any difference at this point, you know, when you come right down to it? No. Because, you know, we've got two very important uh, program director and operations manager and operation manager and program director types there. We've got two, and either one of them can get a crap done. Either one of them. They're both as useless as tits on a pencil, okay? Don't take it personal, Muff, but it happens to be true. I mean, what you guys have done for me on his copy, I wouldn't wish on Heinrich Himmler and 
Donald Rumsfeld, and John Ascroft. And this one. The vast majority of our fellow citizens care deeply about employees. Yeah. Hey, is there still anybody out there who's not playing at VIPSportsbook.com, not plunging their hard-earned cash there? Well, then you ought to be getting with it. You hear a lot of ads these days for other sports books, but you better do some research before you plunk down your hard-earned cash at some unstable, bizarre third-world sports book like in Argentina somewhere. Let's help you out. VIPSportsbook.com is the only book to be unanimously endorsed by the industry watchdogs. They are Dutch-based in a real country, man, and one of the first online sports books. So if you want to go on a roll of a lifetime, at the time you've got to be with the best sports book in the world, and that's VIPSportsbook.com. And, of course, with football season in full swing now, and the uh, Patriots are playing in San Diego, is that correct? That's why it's a 4 o'clock game today, uh, Sunday? Yes. Yes. That Carlos man, for a guy that was the other day a football expert, he wouldn't, he wouldn't know a pigskin if they, sh- if they squeeze one up his uh, little butt. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, listen, you might enjoy it, you know. Go and see your other friend, Carlos. He might give you some skin. I don't want to say we're he'll... The football season is in full force. You need to be with the best. VIPSportsbook.com so you can lose your money the good way. Open an account online and get a 15% cash sign-up bonus. And, of course, don't forget they got the highest parlay odds anywhere is up to 2,000 to 1. Get your ass over to VIP, your little ass over to VIPSportsbook.com and play the book with some serious class. Rhymes with ass. That phone number toll-free is 1-866-VIP-BETS. That's 1-866-VIP-BETS. Get yourself onto a VIPSportsbook.com online, and then you earn that 15% cash bonus. VIPSportsbook.com, where you and your little ass be the VIP. We're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Hey, it's Howard. Howard David. Now, Iraqi President Saddam Hussein's mistress, Parasula Lamsos. First off, let me say that I met Saddam Hussein on the line. He was in the MDBL chat room. That's married dictator, but looking. He sent me the IM that says ASL. Uh, that's age, sex, location. I come to find out later. We had much to have in the common. We both like the moonlit walks, the white pizza with the broccoli, and musical group The Wiggles. Next thing I know, I'm in the Baghdad Best Western, laying on a pile of pillows. I thought I was in for a night of the filthy love, but he could not salute. I tried everything, but it was still a no-go for lunch. The happiest day of his life, second only to when he got his QVC leaning tower of pizza, salt, and pepper shakers in the mail, was when they invented the Viagra. Things have never been the same. We do it like they do it on the Discovery Channel. All of a sudden, it was like sleeping with the Dirk Diggler from the Boogie Nights movie. He made me dress like Barbara Bush with a white wig and all. And, well, you can imagine the rest of the story, like the Paul Harvey says. Let's just say there was butter involved. And when I walk, you can hear the ocean. Now, what the hell am I getting all these? Oh, you know what I actually accidentally did? What? I accidentally, I hate that. I accidentally hit the uh, print icon up there. Oh, damn it. And I'm getting uh, 80. <laughs> well, at least I see. At least with me, I recycle the paper because I'm paying for it. I don't miss out on anything with my fax paper. There's like 422 pages, but and then only one's got anything on it, and that's the goddamn uh, poll. But at least I got it right in front of me here, nice and clean. If you had a chance to recast your 2,000 vote for president today, if we had another election today, what would you do, huh? Besides go out and get one of those rabbit bee dolls uh, things, one of those double-headed dildos. You think right. Sister Jean's got one of those? One. Anyway, I'd vote the same as I did for Gore, 191. I'd vote the same for Bush, 69. So th- so those people are like, you know, follow what I'm saying? You just stick them over on the yeah. side. 
I didn't vote in 2000. 40 out of 359. 11%. 11%. You people could have made a difference, okay? I voted for Gore, but now I'd vote for Bush 32. I'm still very uh, dubious about that. I voted for Bush, but now I'd vote for Gore 9. I'd vote the same for Nader 9. How sad. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Gore 5. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Bush 3. I voted for Buchanan, but I wanted to vote for Gore. Now we got one. How do you like that? We got one. All right. Well, as I recall, the woman that called me on Election Day that day in 2000, that awful day, uh, she wasn't an old lady. She was just a uh, female. And she was just uh, frantic, hysterical, saying, oh, myself uh, and a whole bunch of my friends, we're uh, all up in arms because the ballot's all confusing up here in Palm Beach, and we all went to vote for Gore, but we were f feared we might have voted for Pat Buchanan. And, of course, back then that was the ugly, fascistic, moral, uh, uh, malignant Pat Buchanan as opposed to being the uh, good guy now. I wouldn't say he's a good guy, but he certainly has mellowed. And I'll say it again, it's a damn good show on MSNBC between 2 and 4, Press and Buchanan. Watch it. Barbershop brouhaha-ha. Jesse Jackson says he's pleased. This son of a bitch, man, this guy. Just can't stop. Cannot stop opening up a big puss. Why should he? He's making money. Stirring up trouble. That's all he does, exploiting other people's misery and stirring the pot. I'm like Clarence Thomas, who at least was smart enough to smoke it. This guy just stirring it. Jesse Jackson says he's pleased the producers of Barbershop have apologized for the film's barbs about Rosa Parks, Martin Luther Coon Jr., and others, but still wants the jokes cut from the future DVD and video editions of the hit movie. The producers, Bob Title and Teetle and George Tillman, told the AP yesterday they had apologized to Jackson on behalf of everyone uh, with the film. I certainly didn't mean to offend anyone, Tillman said, but Jackson said they must go further and move those scenes from the video, DVD, and cable versions. And by the way, I should point out that as of late last night when I watched the news, the answer was, no, no we're not doing that. We're not taking anything out. The DVD and the cable versions will be exactly what you saw in the movie theaters, okay? Good. And, and I think these people made a big, bad mistake by apologizing for anything. It's a comedy. Barbershop, the number one film in the last two weeks, has been a surprise box office hit. It stars rapper-actor Ice Cube as the inheritor of a barbershop on Chicago's south side. Cedric the Entertainer plays an old cantankerous barber who jokes about King's alleged uh, promiscuity. The character also says that the blacks refused to give up their seats to whites in the segregated south, but that Rosa Parks got the credit because she was connected to the NAACP. He also directs an expletive at Jackson. Good for him. The character is immediately condemned by others in the barbershop for being dis disrespectful. The producers and writers, we wanted one individual in the shop saying something funny, and we wanted everyone to disagree with that person, Tillman explained. However, Jackson said he had spoken to King's widow, Coretta Scott's king, and son Martin Luther Coon III, as well as the Parks family and other civil rights leaders, and they feel highly insulted by the jokes. Well, you know what? Tough titty, that's what I say to them. Tough titty, lighten up, several shades. And you know, the sad part of it is, you know his son, Jesse Jackson uh, III, or whatever his name is, Junior? No. He's a congressman from Illinois? Okay. He's brilliant. He's a, he's a good guy. Well, that's something. He is. You never saw him on any of the uh, Talking no. Head shows? No, I never. He was on with your buddy Donahue the other night. Damn it, he I missed that. He was articulate, and he was brilliant, and he was right on target, and he was forceful, and Phil was going, ah, uh, ah, like that. I, I feel bad for Phil. But I went through all that yesterday. Now, what just popped up on there? Where, where did that come from? What you talking about? There's the uh, new cover of Volker Bryan's uh, CD. <laughs> Boca Brian, restitution and mo bits. That's great. That's beauty. <laughs> nice compromise. Man. All I can say is <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. 
Now get with it. Get that thing going, okay? Crank those babies out. We'll sell at least 20 or 30 of them. How come it doesn't come up on mine? I don't know. I got the broken image here. I got the whole thing, man. It's a beauty. It's El Presidente and uh, Condoleezza giving each other a big smooch on the uh, on the cheek. And Condoleezza's got that look. Her eyes closed. She's got that arousal look on her puss. Condoleezza. Maybe she's thinking about all the oil they're going to get for her friends at Chevron once we invade Iraq and take over the oil fields. That must be it. She's got a look of pure ecstasy. Can I say that? No. Uh, enjoyment on her face. Can't say ecstasy. No. Can all those right-wingers all bend out of shape again? Get the DEA on your ass again, George. We don't want that. It was bad enough we had those chanker tree uh, cutters down near citrus tree. They came after you. That'll be uh, bad enough. But if the DEA comes after your ass, then then we can't help you no more. So how long is that going to stay there? By the way? Well, I, that's okay. I already Schmidt can my results in the poll. It, it's a poll that we're not going to get an accurate result on anyway, okay? we got too many game players, too many dickheads out there, too many low-life, no-life assholes who want to dick with uh, the poll, that's all. Dick with the poll, dick with the poll, dick with the poll. That's their whole life. Let's dick with Neil's poll, okay? You know, there's never been a better time to buy a new home or refinance your existing home. How about this? How about a rate of 3.95%? That's right. Financial Group can offer you an unprecedented 3.95% by picking up the phone and calling them at this toll-free number, 1-800-940-LEND, L-E-N-D. You can either call them or call Todd Reck at home. We'll be giving some information about him and Davey in a little while. That's 1-800-940-5363. The money you're going to save is incredible. Think about it. You can get a $100,000 loan for only 450 bucks a month or get you a $200,000 loan for only 950 bucks a month. The process is simple, and you'll save yourself a crapload of money, thousands of dollars this year and every year. Just pick up the phone and call the folks at Financial Group at 1-800-940-LEND. There's never been a better time to get yourself a low interest rate, so call Financial Group and you'll be on your way to big, fat savings. Financial Group is an equal housing lender. Credit restrictions do apply and rates are subject to change, so call them right now, toll-free, 1-800-940-LEND. That's 1-800-940-5363. Let me tell you something, pal. Long Beach State's a girl's school. Oh! Hi, I'm Sven. I'm Larry for Sven and Larry's Honey Roasted Nuts. And there's nothing better than our nuts roasted, honey. Stop it! Ben, you're such a kidder. You know what I hate? What's that, Larry? Those tiny little bags of nuts when you're on the plane. Me too. That's why we have big nut sacks. You said it. You could even say our nuts are more than a fistful. I could, but I won't. <laughs> but I will say our nuts are a must for any party or get-together. Or just for a snack at home or while you're at work. Everyone at work will want to get their hands on our nuts. That's right. So the next time you're out shopping, pick up some of Ben and Larry's Honey Roasted Nuts. Wouldn't you just love our nuts in your mouth right now. 11.45 at 5.60 WQM. I tell you, I do like honey roasted nuts, as a matter of fact. Yeah, they're Don't good. You? Honey roasted almonds, especially. Oh, yeah, but they're loaded with sugar. Get the honey no sugar. It's all they got. There's, I mean, any, you know, see, it's with anything. You, could, you That's why they have, like, chocolate-covered uh, ants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know they exactly. do. I'm not making that up. They have chocolate-covered ants. I know, ants. and grasshoppers. You can take anything. Anything. It, it reminds me of that horrible meal, at the Chinese meal that Rimmer drove us all over town when he was up here. Right. A couple months ago, and it took us to that nasty, ratty Chinese restaurant there because the one he was going to was closed. And uh, we get and everything else on the table was crap. We ordered like about a half a dozen entrees. By the way, guess who you think paid for the meal? Oh God! And uh, the what the hell kind of beef was it? What did I tell you? The crispy beef. Okay. Have, have you ever had that? No. 
And the reason it tastes so good is because it's they use brown sugar. They like caramelize it in brown sugar. That'll make anything good. Oh, it was delicious, crispy and sweet. Mm. And I come back here, my blood sugar was the machine just said tilt. It said jump right out the window. So I don't know which I thank him for more, that or Mitch Hirsch. It's a, it's a tough it's a tough battle. The meal was cheaper than Mitch Hirsch. Thanks, Rima. And by the way, the Leafs suck. 11.46 at 5.60 WQM. we got Jim Maddich. He's going to be doing two hours of hockey talk today between 1 and 3. In fact, the rumor I'm hearing is that Mad Dog's going to be doing a hockey show with the Rim Man. Oh! Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it would be wonderful. In fact, if uh, they did that at 1 o'clock, you could stick around. Maybe the Rim Man will bring you in some lunch since you were missing out on that great food from Scott and Ira. Or did you miss out on purpose? Well, I didn't. You know, they brought it in for the morning show. Oh! I didn't want to interfere with the morning show's food arrangement there. Oh, God. No, we don't We don't want to cross paths with them too much. And, of course, Geldy, who used to be our friend and is only there because of my, uh, because of the fact that I'm an old softy. You notice how he's turned? No. Turned like a rat. See, Monday's going to be a big day here at QM because Monday when the beast comes back and we find out the real story about how come he's no longer producing that morning show... That's going to be pretty interesting stuff. Not as interesting as finding out about somebody's wife with a Jets cap in the stands at the Dolphin Jets game on Sunday or about the fact that somebody allegedly has painted his varicose veins green and white, but nevertheless pretty damn entertaining. As he seeks to boost... Now, this is by Dana Milbank in the Washington Post. As he seeks to boost Republican candidates in the midterm elections, President Bush is increasing his emphasis on terrorism and national security, shredding his previous determination to demonstrate his concern about the flagging economy. That's with an L. Four times in the past two days, Bush has suggested that Democrats don't care about national security, saying on Monday that the Democratic-controlled Senate is not interested in the security of the American people. His remarks intensifying a theme he introduced last month were quickly seconded and disseminated by House Majority Whip right-wing lunatic Tom DeLay. At a fundraiser for GOP House candidate Adam Taft in Kansas City Monday, Vice President Cheney said security would be bolstered if Taft were to defeat Representative Dennis Moore, Democrat of Kansas. Cheney talks about Iraq at Congressional Fundraiser electing Taft would aid war effort, read the headline in the Topeka Capital Journal. Such rhetoric represents something of a shift for the administration. When there were marked signs of the economy stumbling in the summer, Bush spoke daily about the economy's health to demonstrate his concern. In recent days, however, the proportion of Bush's stump speech devoted to domestic concerns has slipped from about 50% to about 20%. The shift has come despite a flood of grim new economic statistics. Markets up, by the way, today so far. The Dow Jones Industrial Average Tuesday fell to its lowest level in four years, and the NASDAQ Composite Index hit a six-year low as consumer confidence in corporate earnings have slipped. When Bush kicked off his effort this month to build support for an Iraq campaign, his aides angrily dismissed accusations that they had a political motive, saying that the timing two months before the November 5 election was coincidental. But as Bush continues his record-setting fundraising effort, he has shown an eagerness to discuss the topic in political venues, as polls show the effort is aiding Republican candidates. Anxiety has spread through the Democratic caucus. We have a crashing Dow Jones index. Economic indicators that continue to depress people in Illinois and across America and the White House doesn't even want to talk about this, said Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois. This is not something the president will even take time out of fundraising for to address. To drive home this point, Senate Majority Whip Harry Reid, Democrat of Nevada, plans to call on the White House to detail how much taxpayer money is being spent to underrate his campaign travel. The White House says the GOP tactics are proper. The voters will make the judgment, said White House Press Secretary, Minister of Information Ari Fleischer. I don't think anybody has the right to tell the country it shouldn't consider either party's views on war and peace. Fleischer said Bush's economic agenda is front and center, pointing out that he'll deliver a speech on corporate accountability, which he already delivered just a little while ago. Did you hear what he said? No. I had it on the air. He said... Good morning. That was oh. about it. 
Tuesday's 2.4% decline in the Dow Jones Industrials, the fourth triple-digit loss in successions, brought the average back to its four-year low reach in July. But while Bush spent much of July demonstrating his concern about the economy, he didn't mention the falling markets until yesterday, until as during a question-and-answer session with his cabinet. Bush said he was optimistic about the economy, using the word six times, and says his administration inherited a recession and falling stock market from the Clinton administration. Yeah, sure. Right. Well, and then, of course, Tom Daschle, which... It was just blind luck again yesterday. You notice I was just lucky enough to open up the pot on right. CNN when he went through his impassioned, squeaky uh, hysteria. In a stinging salvo delivered on the Senate floor, Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle lashed out at President Bush yesterday, saying his administration was exploiting the possibility of war with Iraq for political gain and had impugned Senate Democrats in the process. Absolutely correct, sir. Daschle read through a litany of comments from administration and GOP figures about Iraq, including one from Bush, who was quoted by the Washington Post Wednesday as saying, the Democratic-controlled Senate was not interested in the security of the American people. Not interested in the security of the American people, Daschle said. You tell Senator Inouye he's not interested in the security of the American people. You tell those who fought in Vietnam and WW2 they're not interested in the security of the American people. This is outrageous. 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 The president ought to apologize. Daniel Inouye is a Democratic senator from Hawaii who lost his arm in WW2. But Bush's comments of late about Senate Democrats and national security have come in the context of the fight over legislation for the proposed Department of Homeland Security. The Bush comment about the Senate not being interested in national security came in the campaign event Monday in New Jersey when the president was talking about legislation, not Iraq. Senate Minority Leader Trent Lott, Republican Mississippi, suggested that Daschle was overreacting. I think that Tom Daschle needs to cool the rhetoric, Lott told reporters as he was waving his pom-poms and looked lovely doing it, by the way. We've got a lot of work to do. We need to do it in a bipartisan way. Actions, uh, Accusations of that type are not helpful. Daschle, however, said in his floor speech that several Republican figures have made comments that have led them to conclude the administration was politicizing the Iraq debate. He cited a GOP pollster who said that war is an issue could benefit Republicans in the incoming midterm elections. He referenced Vice President Cheney, who spoke about Iraq while campaigning for that Republican candidate in Kansas on Monday, which we just referenced only moments ago. How do you like that, huh? And the public is buying it, baby. Yeah. They're buying it, hook, line, and stinker. They're sucking it up. Do, 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 do. Yeah, because they're dumber than goddamn sawdust. Just take a look at our poll if you don't believe me. We like dumb. Big Big D. D don't stand just because he's from Texas. D don't stand for Dallas. Big D means dumb and dangerous and devious. Anything else? Dullard. Then Dullard. Now the United States, Al Gore. See, I blame the Democrats. I'll say it again. I blame Jew Lieberman. He had no business being on there. There's no Southern Yahoo that was going to vote for Jew Lieberman. Just like there wasn't going to be no Schwarzer voting for uh, Bill McBride in the primary against Janet Reno. Some Yahoo from uh, from Tampa. But now in the general election coming November 5, those good farces are gonna, they're gonna be out there in record numbers. In fact, they're working on making some new babies right now. Right as I speak. They're reproducing like rabbits even more so than usual, just so they can uh, take them chillins. You know, so they look a little bit young. They're, they're old enough to vote. They're 18. Ain't they? Well, we could give them some of those fake IDs that the travelers always have, the Irish travelers. Right, give them some of the fake IDs from the two good people. The two good and the Dudley do good. Do right. Iraq dossier doesn't convince critics, says CBSNews.com. Prime Minister Tony Blair's warning about Iraq's alleged weapons of mass destruction appeared to win little support outside Washington, with France and China expressing skepticism. For weeks, talks about a possible U.S.-led war against Iraq had created widespread interest about Blair's long-promised dossier, or is that dossier, as Phil Donahue says, about Saddam Hussein's chemical and biological arsenal. In it and his speech to a special session of the House on Commons yesterday, which we had a little bit on the show, I bet you we still got a little bit of that on here, you know you think there's still some you on think? this uh, tape? Give it a shot. Let's find out. Hey, Tony, 
Okay, pasta, Tony. It is clear both that a significant number of longer-range missiles were effectively concealed from the previous inspection. Get out of here until you learn how to speak English, okay, Tony? Man, what a goofball. In a uh, speech uh, delivered yesterday, Blair said the stockpile is not only growing, but that Saddam is prepared to use such weapons of mass destruction quickly. The intelligence dossier also said Iraq has taken steps to develop nuclear weapons. Blair, President Bush's top ally, said he wants UN weapons inspectors allowed back into Iraq with no limits on their movements. He also supported the U.S. goal of a regime change in Baghdad, given how often Saddam has defied the world body's requirements regarding his weapons since losing the Gulf War. Britain and the U.S. are two of the five permanent veto-wielding members of the U.N. Security Council, and they've been trying to win the support of the other three, China, France, and Russia, for a new resolution threatening Iraq for its continued defiance. But the French and Chink leaders both sounded skeptical about Blair's speech and the dossier and comments they made while attending a summit of European and Asian leaders in Denmark. French President Jacques Chirac, ever been to Denmark? No. Great. Copenhagen? Nope. Why not? Never been across the pond. French, I know that. French President Jacques Chirac said a war ever been in Italy? French President Jacques Chirac said a war with Iraq is still avoidable. I'm just trying to point out the fact that they don't pay you any goddamn money. They treat you like garbage. They try to get you fired. We had to get put through all of that bull crap. And by the way, that's the last time we're playing that dog and pony show in the morning, uh, this morning. Oh, he needed extra time for uh, after the rejoin, so we could just get in Jack Thompson's name on here. Like uh, we give a crap about that. You 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 need help, Mo. You know what I'm saying? You need some very serious assistance. Do, 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 do. And those numbers prove it. Can't complain about his numbers. You don't have any. French President Jacques Chirac said a war with Iraq is still avoidable if the UN Security Council is given a primary role in the crisis. Chirac reiterated there was no need for a proposed Security Council resolution threatening war if Saddam keeps UN's arms inspectors out. This is not the view of France, said Chirac, adding that the only inspectors can provide the needed proof about Saddam's weapons. I don't think that war is unavoidable at all. China's Prime Minister, Zhu Ranji, warned that any attack against Iraq without U.N. blessing will lead to severe consequences. Jumanji. For... What? What's that name again? Z-H-U, Zhu Ranji, R-O-N-G-J-I. Oh, okay. How else would you say it? Jumanji? Jumanji? <laughs> Jumanji warned. Calling for a U.N. mandate in the crisis, Jumanji said, we request that Iraq comply with U.N. resolutions without any preconditions. Blair faces stiff opposition in his own labor party to his tough talk on Iraq. And you can tell this is from CBSNews.com because they spell labor, L-A-B-O-R. Shame on you. Dan Rather, who made a little slip. Yeah, he was very apologetic last night. Did you watch the evening news? No. Because he said that IBM was being investigated the night before and it was really Xerox. <laughs> And he pointed out last night, it was my mistake, I was responsible, I deeply regret it, I'm an asshole, and then he moved on. Nice going there, Dan. Takes a big man to stand up for screwing up big time. And he did. Takes a big man to write a nice piece of copy so we can do a good job for our clients. <laughs> of course, we don't have such people. In fact, I don't think I even have the, uh, I think I may have Schmidt canned it, you know what? Oh, no. I, I, oh, here it is. Damn it. I was right on the verge. It was like on the tip of my tongue to say, scratch it out. I got news for you, and you notice it doesn't do any good. He doesn't care about that guy in, uh, what was the guy's name? Mike and Mark? Where's that thing? Oh, he, maybe he's not listening. Steve and Davey? Yeah, we got the goods here, uh, Todd Dreck, okay? We got the goods. And in all the king's horses, all the king's men won't make him write copy again. That's just the way it is. He won't do it. Because he's a butt plug, because he's lazy, because he's useless, because he don't know how to do it. We got a bunch of order takers who take a sheet of paper from some uh, uh, agency somewhere, like that Culligan deal, and that's it. That's the extent of their work. In the meantime, they're busy hanging out at Steve's house in Davie. 
By now, you've probably heard the incredible earning potential of computer professionals and about the incredible, the amazing, the unbelievable demand for certified computer professionals. Unbelievable. It is. You've also heard us talk about the great people at Fast Train. You've heard this and you've heard that, and it's been here. And uh, Have you heard? Have you heard that Todd Reck no. is an asshole? Have you heard that? Yes. Get some new lines, Todd. Put something new in there, okay? Do yourself a favor and pick up the phone and call Fast Train toll-free at 866-FAST-TRAIN. You can complete your program and get certified in just four short months and be on your way to a new, high-paying career. They've got four locations. See, I'd like to know those four locations, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to know, besides Pembroke Pines and the new one in Kendall, where those other two are? Is it like some kind of a mystery? Is it a goddamn secret? Yes. And Fast Train's got convenient day, evening, weekend classes to fit your schedule, too. They've also got a full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience. Maybe they're so good they can get Todd a job outside of our building. So don't wait. Pick up the phone and call the people at Fast Train, and we apologize to them for having to put up with him. Call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Or check them out on the web if you like it, fasttrain.com. Live, Live and local, we're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Well, now I do believe it be the 1-12 to 12 hour. Welcome back to the glittering pageantry of the Mohammed and David Show. We have a full docket today, yeah. including the cavalcade of articulate athlete interviews. You know that pipe smoker's still at it. What? 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 Singing those songs, making fun of me. They make fun of me all the time. I don't know why they don't adore me. Yeah, yeah. Everything will be all right, Mo. Get your hands off me, you fairy. You queer, you tube chomper. Real men don't touch, only during the game. Yes, master. They want singing? I'll give them singing. Get on a piano. Over there. Okay, Mo. Now, hit it. Back in my day, men were straight. Being gay is hip today. That's why I can't tolerate his gunslet gay. Portholes weren't gay back then. Stop it, stop it, you moron! What's the matter, Mo? My wig fell off again. Okay. All right, where were we? Portholes weren't gay back then. Uh, I'll take it from here. The guys that like to worship men. Good thing we won't see Poland nor Wayland and Madame again. Didn't need to soothe prostate. Or to tickle Harry Taint. Jesus Christ, I really hate. Jizz Guzzling Oh, I should mention, by the way, Kelly didn't get the Jigs McDonald's job. Didn't get it. Damn it. 12.04. Are you picking on Jigs now? Who's Jigs? 12.04 at 5.60 WQA. Man sentenced to near biting incident, Pontiac, Michigan. Ever been to Pontiac? No. Don't go there. Okay. Oh, brother. I mean, Copenhagen you'd like, but Pontiac, forget about it. Do I, am I hearing like an echo today or something? It sounds really good, too. It sounds like we're on reverb, like WABC. I don't hear it. A man was sentenced to a year in jail for biting off part of his neighbor's ear in a fight. John Everett Barbera, 49, got into a brawl with a neighbor after the man flashed his car lights at Barbera to warn him he was driving erratically. Or maybe his name is Barbara. I don't know. Barbera. Maybe, maybe he called him Barbara. During the fight, Barbera bit off a portion of his neighbor's left ear. This is so... 
This is so barbaric, Oakland County Assistant Prosecutor Kenneth E. Frazee said in court Tuesday. Many, ta- many times people recover from stab wounds or other injuries or they're not visible, but everywhere he goes, people can see he lost half his ear. He said it was barbaric. The 43-year-old victim who was not identified has had several surgeries, but doctors were unable to reattach the piece that was bitten off, Frazee said. Barbara's son, who was also involved in the October fight, was convicted of misdemeanor assault. Spent about a month in jail. Barbara was convicted on a felony charge of mayhem. Do you know that? Do I know that? You know that it's mayhem if you like chop bite off a piece of somebody's ear. Now you know. Legal term. How's that poll coming? I don't want to look at it. Don't look Because you know something. The worst part of it is it might be legitimate. That's the worst part. Based on the poll numbers we see around the country, huh? Nah, I'm not buying it. Oh, 430 votes. If you had a, cho- a chance to recast your 2000 vote for president, for whom would you vote? What would you do? <clears throat> I'd vote the same for Gore, 224. I'd vote the same for Bush, 79. I didn't vote in 2049. Over 11%. You people could have made the difference. You could have changed the course of the future of the human race. God, don't you feel bad? No. <clears throat> uh, I voted for Gore, but now I'd vote for Bush, 41 I voted for Bush, but now I'd vote for Gore, 15. I voted for Nader, and I'd vote the same, 11. Oh, I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Gore, 6. I voted for Nader, but now I'd vote for Bush, 3. I voted for Buchanan, but I wanted to vote for Gore, 2. So he picks up 5, uh, 20. So the difference is 21, which is old enough to drink. 21. You're not buying it? No. Judge orders Boston Archdiocese to turn over abuse documents because they're not buying it either. A judge has ordered the Boston Archdiocese to give lawyers representing alleged victims of the Reverend Paul Shanley documents regarding allegations of abuse by 85 priests, the lawyer said yesterday. The records include those of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese turned over to the Attorney General's office earlier this year, as well as any actions taken by the Archdiocese, including investigations, said Jeffrey Newman, an attorney for alleged Shanley victim Gregory Ford. Newman didn't know the identities of the priests, 15 of whom are deceased, but the existence of the documents was revealed earlier this year during the deposition of the Reverend Charles Higgins, the archdiocesan delegate for handling sexual abuse allegations against priests. Newman received Suffolk Superior Court Judge Constance Sweeney's order yesterday. My sense is that we're finally going to see some of the underside of the iceberg now, Newman said. I believe that what we've seen so far is a small fraction not only of the numbers of individuals that are molested, but the extent of the supervisory decision to essentially cover things up. And I think that's what these documents will show. How do you like that? Great. We've only seen the tip, not even the tip, the underside of the iceberg, the ass end. Information on allegations against 12 priests, including Shanley and defrocked priest and convicted child molester John J. Gagan, have already been released. In another development... Bristol District Attorney Paul F. Walsh said his office would announce the indictment on sexual assault charges of a priest formerly with the Fall River Diocese today. Prosecutors would not release his identity yesterday. In April, Walsh's office announced it was investigating sexual misconduct allegations against 25 priests who served in the Fall River Diocese, some dating back to the 50s. Prosecutors said that the prosecuting cases would be difficult because the allegations are so old. Just like the father, they're so old. Father O'Toole, God. Yeah. Second sexual abuse witness can, uh, comes forward in Cannibal case. October fourth, the new uh, Hannibal movie comes out. What's it called? Um, Red Dragon. Know. Red Dragon. And from what I heard, in part of the movie, he's dragging it, and it's red. Twenty-three years after he murdered and cannibalized a teenage boy, prosecutors trying to keep former teacher Albert Fentress behind bars tried yesterday to show that the killer was also a pedophile. 
The facts show that Mr. Fentress had significant mental issues long before he butchered victim Paul Masters, argued Dutchess County Prosecutor Edward McLaughlin in the third day of a hearing on Fentress's future in Riverhead. This is in the Newsday on Long Island. Fentress, 61, was found innocent by reason of insanity in the August 20, 1979 murder and mutilation of the 18-year-old Masters. Fentress, a former Poughkeepsie middle school teacher who spent the last two decades in mental hospitals, claims the illness behind the murder is gone and wants his freedom. Oh, when in doubt, let him out. But prosecutors who want Fentress moved to a more secure psychiatric facility have produced a pair of witnesses who say that the murderer sexually abused them prior to Masters' murder. Fentress had testified under oath at a previous hearing that the murder teen was his only sex abuse victim. Arguments over the surfacing of the second witness blocked Fentress from taking the stand again yesterday. On Monday, prosecutors called a man who claimed that Fentress had sexually abused him in 79. One day later, a second man contacted prosecutors with a similar story, McLaughlin said. The man who still lives in Dutchess County said that he was 12 years old when Fentress sexually abused him between September 78 and March 79. The second witness was expected to be testifying today. But at least he's not a priest. He's a former teacher. Got not, it? A, not at a Catholic school, I hope. No. Are you picking on them Catholics again? Self-hating Catholic bastard? I'm not a Catholic. The hell you weren't. Weren't is right. Is your mother Catholic? <laughs> She's whatever. She's yeah, a bitch. Whoever will take her. Disgusting whoever erotic will, bitch. Yeah. Whoever Needs will give to her be. communion. Maybe we can put her in there with the, uh, the cannibal guy. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a match made in heaven. Oh, please. America, speaking of Catholics, there you go again. Ameri and this is what I re uh, referenced to the other day, and I couldn't find the story because it was way down in my pile. Well, we finally worked our way down to it. America's Roman Catholic bishops may receive a measure of Vatican support for their new clerical sex abuse policy, despite criticism from some in the church that the plan was unfair to priests. The Vatican is leaning toward accepting the bishops' reforms on an experimental basis, a senior Vatican official said this week. The policy would not receive formal Vatican approval, nor would it be a... Uh, nor would it be a rejection, said the official who spoke to the AP, of course, on the condition of anonymity. You don't want to get in trouble with the Holy Father. In recent weeks, there have been a growing number of reports that the Holy See would reject the plan outright, embarrassing U.S. bishops as they struggle to restore credibility in their leadership. American bishops said they were surprised by Monday's development and knew no details of Vatican's plans. Church lawyers said the Holy See's approach likely would slow down the process of ousting abusers from the priesthood by not enshrining the policy in church law for the U.S. Rome would also avoid setting a precedent for the church and other nations. Top Vatican officials have been reviewing the plan since it was adopted at that June meeting of Americans' bishops, that dog and pony show, which followed a torrent of abuse claims and reports of prelates covering them up. The Holy See is expected to wish its uh, response to the policy October 10th or 11th, the official said. So you think the response will be no or see? <laughs> Huh? As in, see this? Probably give them the old Bafangulas what they'll do. Just a big cover-up, a big juicy cover-up, and what are we worried about? Iraq. That, that's what we're concerned about. ...installations, but also civilian targets, and they claim that hundreds of civilians were killed during these attacks. That's it. When in doubt, tune them out. All these lunatics on TV, tune them out. Take a goddamn... Take a sledgehammer and attack your TV with it right now. Do it forcefully, okay? Rip it to shreds, to pieces. Tear the guts out of it. Take the goddamn electric cord on the back, pull it out of the wall first, please, and just, just slice it off. Do a goddamn John Wayne bobbit on it. Obnoxious. Uh, Tammy Faye. You know, it's really interesting. In my old age, I'm turning to Tammy Faye and Pat Buchanan. The media is sick and needs help badly. Never have truer words been spoken, only we need help badly. We need a protection from them. 
You know, mattress shopping, like I've been telling you for about 400 years on this show, there a hard way to do it, a smart way to do it, and a stupid way to do it. So let's just concentrate on the smart way. Just pick up the phone and call Dial a Mattress at 1-800-MATTRESS. You'll be immediately connected to somebody who knows their crap inside and out. That's all they sell is mattresses. They're not working in some department store. In one department one day, selling refrigerators one day and dildos the next day. Forget about that. They're selling only mattresses and the best in the world, name brand mattresses like Serta, Sealy, Simmons, and King Coil. And when you do business with Dial a Mattress, delivery is a piece of cake because you pick the day in the two-hour window for delivery when it's convenient for you any day, seven days a week, and they'll be there. That's the amazing part. They actually show up. They take away the crappy old bedding. They set up your brand-new stupendous mattress, which they'll give you at an exceptionally unbeatable everyday price. And they also give you that 30-day in-home comfort guarantee. So after sleeping on it for up to a month, if you don't love it, if you're not getting a great night's sleep night after night after night after night, if you're not getting laid like three, four times a day, then uh, return it. No problem at all. Call Dial-A-Mattress right now, toll-free. They'll be knocking on your little door in no time at all. Call 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on the web if you prefer at mattress.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. Q-A-Q-A-M. Uh, don't say pig in front of Interrupt this program for Al Gore in the 10 items or less checkout line at the supermarket. Let's see. Eggs are eight. Yogurt makes it nine. I'm still one item short. Maybe I'll grab this copy of National Enquirer as an impulse purchase. Hi, how are you? Paper or plastic, sir? Piper or plastic? You know, that is a great, great question. As you know, Piper's made from trees, which we don't want to cut down. But on the other hand, plastics are non-biodegradable, which are bad for the environment as well. And hey, you want to move it, pal? I want to get out of here sometime this year. I'll do my best, Mr. Shopper. As I was saying, when you use paper, it should always be recycled. Because this way we preserve our precious natural resources for our children and our children's children. Because we want to go ahead to the future and not back to the past. For if we go ahead to the past, then our future's behind us. We always want to be looking ahead to the past and not back to a future that's behind us. Is this going to be cash or credit, sir? Again, another great, great question. Cash is made from paper, which comes from trees, as you know. Checks are also made from paper. Uh, credit cards, plastic there. And You've been listening to Al Gore in the 10 items or less checkout line at the supermarket. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program already in progress. Thank you. 1218 at 560 WQM. we got the world-famous Mad Dog Jim Mandage Show at 1 o'clock. Hank Goldberg at 3. Hank with Vino. Between 5 and 6, with what, uh, what is just one of the most notoriously bad hours in the history of radio, Vino Cook. But it kills a good hour for the Humper, and we uh, don't begrudge him. Marlon stuff at uh, 6.30. One of the last games of the season, thank the Lord. Eddie K. after the baseball game, enjoy Mark overnight. Tea may reduce risk of cancer and heart disease. Do you drink tea? Sometimes. Now, sick. the thing I don't understand is, and, of course, these stories, every week or two, there's another story about, well, tomato sauce, you know, tomato products yeah, yeah. Uh, help uh, avoid the prostate cancer, especially it's got to be heated, though. And mm. uh, every, every week there's another story about if you do this and you do that, uh, you're going to live forever, I guess. But I'll, I'll do the story, but I'm not really sure. Maybe I missed it in here, okay? Like iced tea, does that help? Is that any good? I mean, you know, it's an option. Well, in other words, I'm supposed to believe you because you said it's an option? I mean, I love iced tea, diet and iced tea. I drink it all the time. I like diet Pepsi. I like caffeine-free diet Coke. I'm drinking it right now. And I like caffeine-free diet Pepsi even better, but I can't I can't schlep it home all the way from that other story. You know I what I'm see. saying? 
I drink uh, caffeine-free also. I just switch. Oh, yeah. That caffeine will kill you. It will. You can't sleep when you take all that caffeine, no first of all. Right. Plus the fact it's bad for you. Right. And Dr. Hemp, Hemp, whatever her name is, she told me it's also bad for my uh, my yokel vocal cord. It's bad for your thing, for I had your no idea. bird. Huh? I had no idea. Well, there you go. Solid evidence is mounting that drinking tea can prevent cell damage that leads to cancer, heart disease, and perhaps other ill scientists said this week. It may be soon time to add tea to the list of fruits and vegetables that experts urge Americans to eat as often as possible to reduce their risk of the disease. Researchers told a meeting sponsored by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the, the Tea Council, and the American Cancer Society and other groups. You see where I get a little bit nervous when we get to the Tea Council? There's a Tea Council, like yeah, an the Egg tea, Council and a Milk Council. The freaking Tea Council. It's one thing to be talking about the goddamn Tea Party, but we're talking about the Tea Council. In some respects, it's good news to think of it as plant food. Jeffrey Blumberg, a nutritionist at Tufts University in Boston, told a news conference. Blumberg said tea is loaded with phytochemicals, a wide range of molecules that can act as antioxidants. Such compounds counteract the damage done to DNA, uh, DNA cells by free radicals, charged particles produced by sunlight, chemicals, many foods, and simply the stress of day-to-day -day living and working for Greg Reed and having people try to fire your ass. Damaged DNA is the first step to cancer and is also associated with heart disease. Oy! Vitamins such as A and C are antioxidants, but so are compounds such as catechins found in tea. What the hell is that? Catechism? It's taken about 30 years to fully appreciate. And you know who's always drinking? Remember uh, the uh, Pope who died? What was his name? Pope uh, That's right. John? No, Pope Paul. What was his name? Pope John Previous. Paul Twenty-Third. He uh, had a cup of tea and all of a sudden he was dead. Coincidence. Maybe it's, maybe it's not so good for him. Maybe the Tea Council didn't hear about it in Italy. It's taken about 30 years to fully appreciate the importance of these combos, Blumberg said, who acts as an advisor both to the USDA and the, and the Tea Council. Oh! This guy's from Tufts University. He reminds me of that Dr. Frederick Steer from Harvard, who's another nutritional quack and a phony. The USDA reported on a study suggesting that tea drinking can also reduce, reduce the risk of heart disease by lowering cholesterol. We gave them a beverage. They did this study for three weeks in Maryland at the uh, Beltsville Human Beltsville Human Nutritional Research Center. That's in Beltsville, Maryland. You know who else is in Beltsville, Maryland? No. Arbitron. Oh, that's right. Oh, I wonder if those people out there drinking their tea, they filled out their diaries. I sure hope they remembered. Oh, God. Anyway, we gave them a beverage that mimicked tea, water-flavored like tea. said for a second three repair, the same volunteers got five cups of tea a day to drink. We found that their blood lipids, when they drank tea compared to the placebo beverage, had up to 10% lowering of low-density lipoprotein, the bad cholesterol. LDL. Overall, total cholesterol was lowered 6% on average over three weeks. His team found there was no effect on good cholesterol. HDL stayed the same. Dr. Ayman Hakim of the University of Arizona and the Arizona Cancer Center tested 140 smokers to see if drinking tea could affect levels of chemicals associated with DNA damage. They chose to look at a chemical called 8-O-H-D-G. Oh, I'm sure you've heard of that. Oh, yeah. Got it's found in urine it. and linked to the damage of DNA in the cells. They find it in urine. They were asked to eat whatever they were eating and just add tea to their diet. She said for four months, volunteers drank either green tea, black tea, or water. Hakeem's team tested their urine for levels of 8-O-H-D-G. What we found was a 25% decrease in the green tea group. Green tea. See, we're finally getting to the answer to my goddamn question. Green tea. No changes were seen in the people who drank black tea or water. We think green tea in our group of smokers is associated with the reduction of oxidative stress in their urine, Hakeem said. Much more research would be needed to see if lowering levels of HOH, 8-O-H-D-G or other markers of DNA damage is actually associated with a lower risk of cancer. 
See, since we got to that thing about the tea council, yeah, it made me want to run to the tea room, you know, and like, <laughs> like that. Oh, we got to the Britney story finally. Oh no. How many days have I been threatening this? Like all week. Several. Well, here we go. Better late than never. And of course, we started with a Britney story about Justin Tinkerbell says they did the deed. I, I I'm sorry. I just, I, I just, I can't deal with it. I can't handle that. I, I thought that the... story was the the DJ was asking about a particular sex act. No. He was asking whether they did the nasty, okay? Intercourse, intercourse, whether he screwed her, okay? Do I have to draw you a picture? Okay, somebody as perverted oh, as you are, got to explain to you the old in out, huh? That's not what I got from that story, though. Well, you got it wrong, okay, because you're too busy with your tongue in somebody's ass. That's the problem. And from what I'm hearing down there, it ain't the right ass. That's why you don't have your bonus yet. See, if you'd be more like Gary Sarner and Screwan and the Maddie Bell and Ray Perry and have your tongue placed firmly in the middle of the right ass, Rectum. then you'd have had that bonus check faster and you can say uh, Greg Reed's a douchebag, okay? It but you didn't do it. It doesn't fit. It's the wrong shape. I see. Wrong shape and size. I guess I'll have to do the break and then we'll do about Brittany cleans up her act. And then about the corrupt Wall Street broker who says he uh, shouldn't stay in prison because of 9-11 even though he wasn't in it. South Florida's jobless lines grow longer by the day. More depressing news, but then we'll get to the Robert Blake story. It looks like we'll have time for some of this stuff. Because we got bogged down yesterday with that very exciting noon to one hour, which I had calls from the Pope. I had calls from uh, the White House, people thanking me for that noon to one hour. They said it was the most scintillating, enjoyable hour of radio in the history of this business. They said if just if Saddam Hussein and Osama, your mama, and George W. and all the Farbis and Agoyim could hear the, that hour, that we'd all get along. Even Rodney King. Can you believe that? I believe it. I do, too. It was great, if I do say so myself. I mean, all I did here was sit and punch buttons. Boca Brian did all the work, which did you see? Now, did it come up on your screen? No, it, the, it uh, still hasn't come up. Didn't come up? It, I got that little broken icon image, you know, like the pictures uh, corrupt or something. I must have a better computer than you do. You must. Because it's all on the same web page. But at any rate, the uh, cover came up, and the uh, thing is uh, Volume 1. It's called uh, Restitution and Mo Hits, Volume 1. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, let's go with it, Poker Brian. Let's crank those babies out. Going to sell a crap load of those. 26 past noon at 560 WQAM. Pompano Harness is back in action starting tomorrow. Oh! New first race post time is 715. And for the first time in the 40-year history of the track, there will be free clubhouse and grandstand admission all season long. And, of course, as always, free general parking. Let me say it again. Free clubhouse and grandstand admission all season long and free parking, too. There are two new wagers at Pompano Park this year. Come play the Super Super with a $10,000 bonus payout or try one of the two pick four wagers. Opening night Friday, tomorrow night, there will be free prize drawings to win one of five trips for two to Crystal Palace Casino and Hotel in Nassau and the Bahamas, Mon. Bring out the kids' as opening night is the first night of Pompano Park's monthly family fun nights with free popcorn, coloring contest, clowns, face painting, and, and, and animal balloons, gifts, and, of course, the fabulous Pompano Park miniature horses giving rides from 7 to 9 p.m. That's tomorrow night. There will also be giveaways, free spins on the prize veal, and special displays for the parents, too. Just go up to Dick Feinberg or Steve Wolf and say, can we spin the veal? For the next three weeks, Pompano Park will be open for live racing every Friday and Saturday. And, of course, it continues being open every day of your life, seven days and nights a week, for simulcasting starting at noon. Just bring a big sack of money. Pompano Park on Powerline Road at Block South Atlantic Boulevard. Don't forget, new post time, 7.15 p.m., and live racing resumes tomorrow night at prestigious Pompano Park. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Get and stick it. Live in concert. Live in concert. It's Al Gore. With Bachman Turner Overdrive. Al Gore and BGO. 
You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Al Gore and Bachman Turner Overdrive with backup singer Larry King. You ain't seen nothing yet. I say to you tonight, and hear me well, you ain't seen nothing yet. I say to you tonight, oh, he's, uh, he's, he gives me the creeps, you know? Pathetic. 1231 at 560 WQAM. You know, they always said the Democrats couldn't win a fixed election, and they were right. Now, what's this thing you just, what's this thing you just faxed me here? What? About play, play Mo Howard, David Bitzer gets it again, not again, Wilt. Oh, it's Mo. just a, a picture that came over. The fax. Oh, cause first, cause I see it's got a, a 516, or 561. I, mean, I, I thought this is from uh, Boca again. No. Good. We already decided on a one. Let's get with it, although this is kind of cute. No, this, yeah, it was just a cartoon that somebody did. He was just on the phone with me, by the way, Boca Bryant, speaking of him. Yes. The tentative release date will be Tuesday, or completion date, we should say, for the uh, disc. Right. Should be Tuesday, just so you know. So he better get a hold of Eric, and they better get their head together. And also, uh, speaking of Eric, I talked to uh, Carlos, who's sitting right there with an ugly look on his puss before the show today, and he's going to start getting involved. He better, you better get with Eric and get the uh, stuff we'll get to do, or so he claims, but he's a busy guy. He don't have time for us, which is fine, because he's going to benefit in the long run. He shouldn't be a hard-ass. He shouldn't be so paranoid. Because, see, what he's afraid of, I guess, is that Carlos would do such a good job, which he probably would, that then we just forget about Eric. We wouldn't do that, we would we? would never forget about Eric. Well, unless he did a really good job, you know. And I will. Eric owns the uh, domain name anyway. What do you mean by that? Damn, he owns NeilRogers.com. Well, what about if we spelled N E A N E A L K? Huh? I guess you could. Yeah, we could. And we're not now. Why do you see? I got sucked into this, so I'm not changing anything. We love Eric. Eric is great. Of course, great. we do. But you're just trying to bust his balls to get him off his big fat lazy ass. Is what you're trying to do. That's so you're not fooling me. But as far as owning the uh, domain name, because it's a phony name anyway, I can spell I can spell it K N E E L. How do you like that, huh? Neil on this. Anyway, let's get back to Brittany. Speaking of Neil on this, no, must we? Me, uh, Brittany cleans up her act. And this one is now. Where, which one is this in? Then we'll find out how credible it is. It's in a it's in a goddamn. Uh, it's in one of them that doesn't tell you what it is <laughs> on the bottom of the page. Oh no! How is that possible? I guess it's the globe. It's either the globe or the star. But it doesn't say on the bottom of any of the pages I got which one it is. Anyway, no one paid much attention to the demure blonde sitting outside a West Hollywood coffee shop. With her hair pulled back in a sophisticated do and a pair of brown-rimmed glasses, she looked like a young teacher or secretary as she, she sipped a frozen latte drink. But the anonymous beauty was none other than Britney Spears. Oh! And friends say her conservative new look is just part of the bizarre new lifestyle that Britney has embarked on. Bizarre for Britney, that is. As she approaches her 21st birthday on December 2nd. God, is she getting older or what? The pop princess is reinventing herself and abandoning her childlike ways. Well, thank God. Gone are her jet-setting trips around the world, partying in London and club-hopping in New York, L.A., and Miami. Gone is her experimentation with boozing. Damn it. Gone is the nonstop touring to the point of exhaustion. And gone is her unhealthy relationship with ex-love, underline the ex-part, Justin Tinkerbell. Bye, bye, bye! That's good, at least. That's, uh, I don't want to talk. You know what it's like? There are three things. The whole religion thing. I, it just makes me so weak, I can't even, I can't stand it anymore, okay? The fact that people believe this crap. And the politic thing. The, the fact that there are people who don't look at this man, either fall on the floor laughing or cry or both. You see what I'm saying? Right. And then this, that Justin Tinkerbell thing. 
I think that's a good trifecta, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Very instead, similar. Instead, Brittany's hanging out with mom, visiting museums, mm. and healing from the heartbreak of losing her first true love. Mm. Brittany's behavior is so bizarre to me because it's so different from what we're used to, says a friend. She's acting like an adult. As our picture show, and I got them right here, the change in Brittany was obvious as she sat with her mom, Lynn, at the Coffee Bean Eatery in West Hollywood. She looked great, says an observer. She was wearing a simple top and jeans. She had her hair up, and she was wearing glasses. What kind of glasses? First, they're they're okay. I mean, they're the little granny glasses. Not really granny glasses, but close to them. wanted to hear you say brown rim again. I don't want to say brown. See, Rectum. everything that this man, he wonders why he had like a one share in the summertime. It wasn't just because he followed a dead man in the morning, but because of the fact that all he wants to talk about is ass, penetrating ass, licking ass, eating ass, investigating ass, sniffing ass, nose up the ass. That's all he wants to talk about. And you wonder why nobody, no decent, <laughs> respectable person out there would listen to your show. My mother says you're, you're the uh, Antichrist, but she says you're getting better. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Yeah, pretty soon she'll be sniffing ass. Her own. Anyway, at first I didn't recognize Bye-bye. Just three days later, Brittany was out with her mom again. It was clear that her new mature look isn't turning off the guys as they sip frosty ice drinks at the coffee bean at Sunset Plaza. A guy walked up to their table and slipped uh, her his phone number. He slipped it to her. Seeing as how you're not dating Justin anymore, how about you and I going out, asked the songbird. There's my number. Startled, Brittany dressed in a Chicago Cup shirt and a black cap, picked up the papers. The guy walked away. Then she and her mother burst out laughing. Hey, we seen who you've been doing, Brittany, so as far as laughing is concerned, okay? Although who knows, maybe maybe it was Gilbert for Maybe maybe it was the guy with the eyes. Huh? Oh god. Maybe it was the guy with a fanny pack. Says the guy was in his late twenties and really bold, said the eyewitness. He asked for a date right in front of her mother. Brittany obviously got a kick out of it. Maybe it was Clarence. Huh? It seems the blonde singer of Hit Me Baby One More Time is finally getting over Justin. Their new, more open attitude is helping, say pals. It's bizarre that the guy was even able to approach her, says another source. Just a few weeks ago, she would have been surrounded by her entourage. She wouldn't have gotten anywhere near her. Unfortunately, Brittany had to go through some pretty dark times before she finally saw the light. It goes on about the thing in Mexico, which I'm sure this, this article ain't talking about the wild diarrhea because she kept no. taking those laxatives. Oh, and look at this. Oh, wait till you hear this. Justin hypnotized to get over her. Oh, even though Justin Tinkerbell pulled a plug on his romance with Britney Spears, it was still a traumatic split for him, filled with heartache and regret, say friends. But the instinct star found a way to wash that gal right out of his brain. Hypnotism. <laughs> star. See, I told her it wasn't the star. Stars learned from a published report that he flew top uh, British hypnotist Paul McKenna to New York for two secret sessions shortly after the breakup. Now, friends, says the singer is over Britney and happily dating charmed actress Alyssa Milano. Justin was a new solo single called Like I Love You. First saw McKenna on Montel Williams' show and got in touch with him after learning of his long list of celebrity clients, say sources. The hypnotist has helped Daryl Hannah beat stage fright, cured David Bowie of his flying phobia, and helped Spice Girl Mel B quit smoking. Paul has an amazing gift, and he's happy to help other celebrities with their problems, said his agent Paul Dudridge. He does it for free, but if they want him to make a donation to charity, that's okay with him. Okay. When McKenna arrived in New York, he reportedly sat down with Justin, put him into a deep trance just by talking to him, says an insider at Jive Records, the singer's label. Once Justin was relaxed, the hypnotist helped him to identify his deep-seated issues with Britney and the split, then showed him how to go beyond them and move on with his life. Move on with your life, you little punk, you <laughs> ugly, talentless little turd. Justin was feeling down, and Paul spoke to him and made him feel positive about things, says the insider. He just needed that little push. Yeah, like off the edge of a cliff would be good. 
Paul did him a world of good, hasn't looked back. Everyone needs a little help occasionally. And now Justin's on top of the world. Nice going there, Justin. Bye, bye, bye. Get lost. See, if, if this hypnotist wouldn't help, I got the answer for him. Dr. Phil could have done it. By yelling at him? Guess who was on Larry King last night, which I saw about four seconds of? Dr. Phil? Yeah. He's making the rounds. Just I a coincidence now that his new show is on every day. Which I'm, for some strange reason, keep forgetting to tune it in. And my TV has got, like, the automatic block off if, if I'm channel surfing anymore and he's on it. it. Like, that's why I was on four seconds. It goes click, click, and then on to something else. That's the new kind of TV they need to invent. Back out of that Leafs exhibition game. The new what? A new chip that you oh, can program you with people. Oh, something else. <laughs> like Dr. Phil or Jesse Jackson or something like that, where if they come on the screen, it just it changes immediately. Yeah. I, I think that's a good idea. In fact, you know, that's a good pull for tomorrow. Because Friday we leave it up for the weekend. If you could, if you could uh, program your TV into blocking out anybody who might appear on it, who would that be? And we'll, a, that is we'll a good word one. it. Yeah. Huh? Don't you think that's a good poll question? Damn good. Yeah. And tough choice. Oh, tough choice. In fact, they're ah, oh, they're they're coming on one after the other. <laughs> First was Judy Woodruff, and here's Wolf Blitzkrieg. Oh man. And then ah, oh, and there's that bitch. What tells her name? That uh, Christiana Amanpour. Oh, your favorite. Oh, man. That I'd like a... to stick her head all the way to, up the Pope's dress. That was a nice collage. Let her take a good sniff of that. Yeah, that was a collage. In fact, they must have heard my poll question. They listen <laughs> to the Miami Bureau. Yeah. Certainly not news. They listen. We got some friends at CNN. What the hell's her name? Uh, our good friend? Oh, um. Yeah, what is her name? The one, that the, they, the one that uh, Steve Nichols sent to the station to do an interview on mm -hmm. something that had nothing to do with me and was embarrassing. She's Susan great. Candiotti. Susan Candiotti. We love you, Susan. Everybody needs to work, okay, honey? We understand. We don't take it personal. But other than that, the Certainly Not News Network. I'm politically out of touch. Yeah, you're out of touch, all right. That's what I just said, Wolf. Get out of here. Hey, you're sick and tired of being taken advantage by real estate agents and brokers when you're looking to sell your home? Tired of that? Uh-huh. Well, if you are, check out SaveRealty.com. And here's how this works. It's simple. You retain the right to sell your home. You can also show and sell your home to buyers who call you directly. And if you sell your home this way, you pay only 1% in commission. That's it. SaveRealty.com cooperates with all MLS realtors. You can also show your home to realtors, and if they sell your home, you'll only have to pay the realtor the commission they traditionally charge for bringing you a buyer. The bottom line is you save a crap load of money. Contact SaveRealty.com on the web at SaveRealty.com or call them directly at 954-788-2660. So if you want to stop dealing with real estate agents or brokers when you're selling your home and save a lot of cash, here's the way to do it. Let SaveRealty.com show you how to be doing it. Log on to SaveRealty.com today. SaveRealty.com, the best, the easiest, the smartest way to sell your home. Here's that number again, 954-788-2660. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. Did he tuck it or did he cock it? I be B B B King, and B K and B B B B all right. Yow. I said I be B B King, and B K and B B B all right. Yow. I catch me the diabetes bitties, but my feet turn purple every night. Burger King show tastes fine to me. Plain broiled beef patties that fall on the floor sometimes, but they wipe them right off, serve them up fresh. And all that grease, well, that makes the shredded lettuce get stuck in my teeth. Mm -hmm. You ought to see the mouthpiece on my cell phone, y'all. Woo-wee! 
Sure, I know I got the diabetes, 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 but I need the gig, man. Be taking the six diggy. It got a feeling all. <laughs> See ya, BB. Brain. 12.46 at 5.60. The Mad Dog's standing by. He'll be along at 1 o'clock. So anyway, I'm uh, putting this poll together for tomorrow. If you could program your TV to block out one person, who would it be? And guess who? Uh, you probably wouldn't think of this, but you should be now that you got all those storms uh, swirling around. You got Lily. Brian and, uh, freaking Norcross. Brian Norcross. Oh, he's, he's a contender. The... Yeah. I would have thought of him. He's on the top of my list. How so do you were like down that? here during this latest uh, non-episode. But I had plenty of spy reports. I'm sure. About him trying to, like, bring it back. He's always trying to, like, oh, yeah. draw it back. Well, you know, if it turns around here and if it comes back over there. The blah, 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 arrows. Yeah. The arrows. He couldn't hook them more. An ego the size of uh, Montana. And I'm not talking about Joe. Yeah, Brian Rockford. And, of course, Dr. Phil and Oprah. And, and guess who just popped up on my screen? Were you, have you got CNN on? I do now. Well, now, now they're showing a clip. But wait till they come back to whoever be talking now. Forty percent dead airspace right now. I tell you one thing. I think I think we're gonna have to get a whole bunch of them chips. You know? Does he have a hair lip, and that's why he wears that mustache? Just was before. We've gone from a coalition. And not only that, you know, at least at least Hitler knew how to like you know comb the mustache, even it out on both sides. As Harry had a problem with, but but this. Have you ever noticed how his mustache is like heavy on the left, on the left side? Well, he is very liberal. You know, hefty lefty lighty righty. <laughs> That's him, old Jesse. So this is going to be a great poll tomorrow. I'm, I'm psyched about that, as opposed to this one today, which is getting me so goddamn depressed. We got 495 votes. We'll make 500 before this, uh, before we get out of here today. In fact, what do you got? What is the number on yours? 495. I got 496. I just moved ahead of you. So we only need four more to get to uh, 500. Just relax, okay? They'll come in. But let's see. So Bush picks up a net of about 29, uh, 26, 24. So he's picked up like 24 more, if you believe that, which uh, I, it's possible. It's possible. He's got those high uh, poll numbers out there. The public gets, you know, sucked in. They're waving their flags. They're going to, you know, they, uh, it's scary as hell, but it's possible. Anyway, speaking of scary, a corrupt Wall Street broker, this from the New York Daily News, corrupt Wall Street brokers pulled out the ultimate excuse in an effort to avoid prison, 9-11. Former Bear Stearns partner Gary Semino told a judge his trauma over being near the World Trade Center on the morning of the terror attacks should give him a get-out-of-jail-free card. In letters to the sentencing judge, Semino said he saw people jumping out of the towers and was so emotionally overwhelmed that he couldn't possibly handle a single night in jail. Semino, who faces 10 years in prison when he's sentenced today for securities fraud, admits he's escaped from downtown without a scratch long before the towers collapsed, but he whines to Manhattan federal judge William Pauley that because of his already critical emotional ill health, these events of 9-11 have had an especially shattering effect on him. Prosecutor David Essex scoffed at the blatant bid by Semino to use 9-11 to avoid prison, while Semino may benefit from psychological counseling, and while he, like many New Yorkers, have been significantly uh, harmed by the terrorist attacks on 9-11, disturbed rather, those facts did not warrant any departure that would reduce his time behind bars, Essex wrote. Uh, Semino was admitted to securities fraud, money laundering, and extortion. His court appearance today seems far removed from 1997 when he was in a Wall Street Journal profile of up-and-coming bachelors. That piece, titled Men Behaving Grandly, described his 2,100-square-foot Upper East Side condo, his 12-cylinder Mercedes, and $100,000 watch. Couldn't have been a Rolex, could it? Uh-huh. No, actually, Rolexes are like ten grand, right? Yes. What kind of a watch is a hundred grand? Timex. Swatch. <laughs> Swatch what? Swatch anybody you want, except anybody that's programmed out, like Wolf Blitzkrieg. 
Now, you were starting to tell me. See, I was my fault because I was talking about the uh, talk getting with the Eric. Yeah. About Volker Bryan on Tuesday. Now, what was that information? Because I suggested he ought to get together with Eric and uh, formulate the plan for this because uh, we're getting very close to October 1th. I'm sure they are. And then we can get like a real nifty thing on there because I think this one's going to sell like hotcakes, especially in light of the fact that we're not going to have a best meal this year because we got a lot of lazy people around a building like Doreen who don't want to lift a finger to help us. See, the, do you have any idea how many years it's been since I've had not had a best of meal uh, thing come out? It goes, it goes the all the way back to INZ. Every year we either had a cassette, which the mm -hmm. Bird and Fat Rich used to like dub them off on those the duplicating machines, you know. Right. Oh, I remember either, that machine. We either had cassettes, or we then we uh, moved out, up in the world of CDs. We always had something every year. This is the first year we're having nothing. And don't look at me; it's not my doing. I was crestfallen. I was crushed when George and Miguel both look at me like, "Oh, we're not doing that this year, are we?" As if I have a choice. As if I, there's something I can do about it. You know, like I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to wave my magic thing. Well, this will be good for Boca Brian. He'll actually make some money. Yeah. For a change. Yeah, but we could also raise some good money for charity. Yeah. Well, yeah. What? Are you picking on our friends with the, the dog people again? No, I wouldn't pick on them. Well, so pick on some of the other people. Okay. Pick on what's your name over there at goddamn uh, the other place. You know who I'm talking about. Pick on uh, the Catholic Church there with the, uh, the Camillus house. Okay. But don't pick on my animal friends. But anyway, to make a long story short, we don't have no best needle this year because the station is a joke. It's a major. It's a, it's, it's a farce. They give us nothing. Not only do they give us nothing, but now that they've got 85 program directors, we still can't get any assistance. Can't even get a few pieces of copy, much less get any help on a best of Neil C uh, CD. Back in the old days when we were on a real radio station, it was a different story. In fact, remember the good job at Paxson that year? Yeah, as a matter of fact, Tracy. Sensational job. Because we had like a real, well, took care of everything. Let's not go into it. You know, Miguel, he's overworked, underpaid, and he bellyaches a lot. He learned it from you. That's the way it goes. And he's got Doreen back there chasing him around the building. Hey, if you're running around, if you'd like to have somebody chase you around, maybe you need some hair. That's a good start. I don't think too many people with a big, ugly, bald spot get chased around. That's what Boca Brian always complains about. Not too many people chasing him except bill collectors. Nobody here's is the chased. answer. I beg your pardon? He is chased. Because and not of his by choice. Spot. Charles Alfieri has been helping the famous and infamous and not-so-famous look their best for over 25 years with his spectacular, realistic, natural hairline system. It looks like the real thing, not like a piece. That's the difference. There's two things in life. There's like hair, or what looks like hair, and then there's a piece. So if you want to have some silly-ass wig on your head, be my guest. You know, go right ahead. But if you want to have hair that looks like it's really grown out of your scalp, if you want to look like you don't have any bald spot at all, Chuck Alfieri, believe it or not, can make you look younger and better than you have in a hell of a long time and probably better than you ever thought you could again. It's true, and there's nothing to lose but the bald spot because they give you a free consultation with absolutely no obligation, and they'll sit your ass down and show you just how great they can help you look. And if you mention Neil Rogers when you call to make the appointment, they'll give you an additional $200 discount off the already low price. And everybody gets Charlie's 30-day guarantee. If you don't love the way it looks and feels and smells, if you're not getting ahead at least 15 times a day, Charlie will give you a full refund, okay? We can't, not necessarily from women, but, you know, nothing's perfect. So make the call today, 1-800-321-2413. That's 1-800-321-2413. Or log on to their most prestigious website at charlesalfieri.com. We are Sports Radio 560 QAM. Oh, God. I'll have all the women I want Cause I got a really slick car I'm checking the action down at 